And now, introducing a man who is certainly not Glenn Clark, but a man who told me I could never replicate his erratic introductions. A man who spent his whole weekend enjoying preseason football like the rest of America and has already called every pizza joint in his area to pre-order chicken wings for week two. And the man who can truly not wait for the show to be over so we can go home and download the new Madden because it is Madden release day. He is Kyle Ottenheimer. Good morning. Uh, Glenn Clark Radio, as I like to call it, Glenn Clarkless Radio. On the this days. is this is the KOR, the it KOR. Is. It doesn't exactly flow the no. same way. No, yeah, There's more syllables in bad. my last name than there are in Glenn's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Of course, Glenn is out this morning, as he is. Of course, uh, we wish him the best and condolences to his family on yes. the loss of his grandfather. But he wrote a tremendous eulogy that I got a chance to read on Facebook and. I'm very thrilled yeah. that he had the chance to go down to Georgia earlier this summer and uh, spend some time with his grandfather along with his two sons. So uh, wishing the best to him and safe travels on his way home this morning. But joining me this morning is Zach Goodman from the Batter Round, sitting across from me doing my usual yeah. job. As I'm this, just, this feels weird for you, right? Like this is, this is different, right? Yeah. It's very bizarre. I yeah. genuinely, as Ricky Bobby once said, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, over here, you're always like touching something. You're uh -huh. always hitting some button. It's, it's always like a, yeah. this is an action job over here. You're always hitting something. And now I'm just sort of talking. And, yeah. you know, it makes that part easier. Like, you you watched Glenn do it for enough years. I think it should be should I'll come easily. okay. I will be all right. But, uh, no, uh, excited for the show this morning. We've got a good one ahead. Uh, on today's show, we will chat with a man who I believe Baltimore sports fans are quite familiar with. He goes by the name of Buck Showalter. And I don't know if you guys heard, there was some significant news yeah. in Orioles land. On Friday during the show, we received word that Chris Davis, or I believe it was Thursday. Thursday, yep. Thursday. yep. We received word that Chris Davis, of course, once upon a time a Baltimore sports hero, turned Baltimore sports... Uh, Anti-hero? Yeah, I don't know what the word for it. Well, I, yeah. I don't know what the word to sum up Chris Davis would be. I don't know if there is a word that can sum up Chris Davis. Ambivalent, maybe. Okay. But even still, it doesn't quite cover all yeah. of the emotions. But yes, Chris Davis, no longer a member of the Baltimore Orioles. He officially announced his retirement. He will still be paid handsomely over the course of the next I don't know, 17 years. Yeah. But it is what it is. So significant news. And Buck Showalter, a man who knew Davis as well, if not better than anybody in the world of baseball. as Right. For his best and worst years, he was at the helm managing the Orioles. So we'll chat with him, or full disclosure, Glenn had the chance to chat with him on Friday afternoon. So despite it being Glenn Clarkless radio, you will get your dose of Glenn Clark as he caught up with the former Orioles skipper. And I got to say, personally at least, and I think I have people who share that sentiment, I will never get tired of hearing Buck Showalter speak. So Looking forward to getting his thoughts on the career of Chris Davis and his time with Baltimore. Uh, later on in the show at 11 o'clock, it is Monday, so of course that means we'll be joined by 105.7's Jeremy Kahn to talk about you know, any number of things. Gambling, if he's degenerate enough to be betting on preseason football, um, and if that means he needs help, I don't know. But we'll talk to him about that and more, and then at the end of the show we will chat a little bit in detail as much detail as we will be want to go into about the Ravens preseason victory, a 17-14 triumph against the New Orleans Saints as um, not the most exciting offensive performance by the Baltimore Ravens, but they managed to extend the win streak in preseason to 18 games as John Harbaugh has a stronghold on the preseason yeah. football landscape and nobody can touch him and they never will. And it's 
it's fine you know like it's fine it, it's it's great i mean I right it's fun it's it's Fun to see. I'm not complaining. Look, but if you're going to play, you'd rather win, right? Right. That's sure. kind of how yeah. it goes. I know you were at the game on Saturday. I, I was at the game on Saturday. Um, I, I, you know, there's a certain difference between the crowd in preseason and the crowd in a regular season game. It would, you know, they would go over the PA. It's third down, and you know, they try to pump everyone up, and there would be like zero noise in the stadium. Like people would just be sitting there, you know, eating popcorn. Like it's just not it, the the energy wasn't there on Saturday. For but good it's still reason, a lot of fun. Right. It's harder to right. get excited about Trace McSorley and Tyler Huntley than exactly. it is Lamar exactly. Jackson, and of course the majority of offensive starters for the Ravens did not see action. I think three of five offensive linemen were out altogether uh, due to injury, or I believe for Villanueva, just maybe try and save his legs as much as possible. Uh, of course, Bradley right. Bozeman um, had to leave the game with, I believe, an ankle injury, if I'm not mistaken. He had Seems like not up. too serious, which is great news. Right. I mean, that's that's you know huge considering four of the Ravens' five offensive line starters are out. And like you mentioned, Villanueva, I mean, you can't rely on that guy either. He's a veteran who's been around for a long time, and you know you can't rely on veterans to stay healthy most of the time. Even if he is healthy, there still remains to be seen how much he can offer to right, the Ravens exactly, in that capacity. Exactly. So offensive line, I believe, still the biggest concern for the Ravens, but... They are 1-0. They are now 18-0 in the last, I don't know, 18 games in the preseason. And the last time they lost, uh, Chris Davis just got extended, and Lamar Jackson was about to make his first start in college. Wild. So Wild. They've been going at it for a little while now. Today's show is, speaking of the Ravens, brought to you by Great Eights Memorabilia. And by the way, the Purple Takeover is coming to the Maryland State Fair as you can meet 10 Baltimore football stars at the past, present, and future of, I should say, including Hall of Famer Lenny Moore, Hollywood Brown, Ronnie Stanley, Adafi Owe, Ben Cleveland, and more. Individual picture and autograph tickets are available, or you can get pictures and autographs with all 10 players for just $350. Pretty incredible deal. Get your tickets for the Purple Takeover now by going to great8smemorabilia.com. That's great, the number 8, S memorabilia.com so the Ravens preseason football um, it's always a little awkward especially I think as time goes on I think the significance of the games has lessened even more when I was younger preseason action tended to feature starters playing about a quarter and then of course right uh, you get toward the third preseason game as much as a half Lamar Jackson did not see the field on Saturday night he was not alone in that regard they tend to protect players, and for good reason, right? Like, speaking of Bradley Bozeman, the last thing they need is for players that they're relying on to get injured. Um, yeah, yeah. There's only so much you can gain outside of young players getting experience right. in the preseason, and there's only so much to be gleaned because coaches are always going to err on the side of protecting whatever it is right. they plan to do in the regular season. I mean, look, the, the point of preseason is to get guys – familiar once again with football and simply that right you can play as many 11 on 11 scrimmages as you want and mm -hmm. practice do whatever you want you have to play other teams to get back into the flow you know get back into that game atmosphere the competitiveness that's why they do it i get it but it's also there's just not much reason to put your guys out there and and you know guys like lamar jackson you don't want to play him behind an o-line it's basically decimated i mean you know tristan Colon castillo or whoever is filling in on that line you don't want lamar jackson no. behind there so it, you know you have to take your your chances with some guys like they started marlin and, and marcus peters although i don't think either of them really tried um you know they they both got burned multiple times and i don't really think they tried for that matter but you, you've got to take some chances, I guess, a little bit, but you know, especially with a guy like Lamar Jackson, you know, keep no him on the bench. 
So I think that we had talked, I believe, a week or two ago with Bo Smolka, Press Box Ravens beat writer, and he did point out a distinction that may have contributed to Patrick Queen, I believe, seeing the field for 20 or some snaps. There mm-hmm. was no preseason action for the rookies last year. Uh, this would be their first taste of exhibition football in the NFL, and so right. you could take solace in the fact that maybe you got to watch some guys who maybe otherwise would have been sitting take the field and play, and to Queen's credit, he played as well as you could hope. I think that he showed impressive instincts, diagnosing some plays. He, he made the play in coverage, which was good to see, particularly behind the line of scrimmage when he tackled, I believe it was Devontae Freeman, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not positive about that. And he showed his blitz. Like, look, there was... There was no red flags from Patrick Queen. There was nothing to say, oh, I'm not sure I liked how that turned up. So right. check that box. Feel good about that. Adafi Owe saw the field in perhaps more ways than we uh, expected. His 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 participation on special teams as a gunner is interesting. I um, hate that. I hate that. I'm going to say it right now. I, I don't like I know the Ravens used to do some interesting things with Adelius Thomas when you know yep. he was a Raven. They, they'd drop him back into some coverages, and he would play a lot of special teams. Sure. I personally do not like the risk of running Adafi away down as a gunner. I, I just that to me is extremely risky, especially in a preseason game. Uh, this is a guy who could anchor your pass rush for years to come. Yes. Now, will he anchor it this season? That would be a pleasant no, surprise, no, right? No. If he turns out to be that kind of guy right away, then for good reason you could be able to question that decision to run him out there as a gunner. But as is, I don't hate it. Um, I guess there's been hesitance before on using first-round picks in special teams, and that's, as you mentioned, right? You've invested a lot in these players, so adding undue risk to their plate and exposing them to the opportunity to be injured in the capacity that maybe you didn't expect is always going to be questionable, but the type of athlete that we know he is, the premium that we know John Harbaugh places on special teams it's not terribly surprising. Um, that, among few other things, I think, could be deemed significant from Saturday night mm-hmm. as far as a glimpse yeah. into maybe how they intend to use OA in the number of ways, because I know he was busy not only on special teams, but he was rushing the passer. He was making plays and run stopping. He made a play in pass coverage. He, he, he ran the gamut. He showed his athleticism, and I think – as of now, that's what we know he definitely has, right? Yes. He needs to prove yes. that he can be a productive defensive player for them, and that will come with time, hopefully. But a guy at 6'5", 250 with a 4'3", 40, um, you saw the Panthers do something similar with their first-round pick uh, a year or two ago, Brian Burns, who has since further developed into one of the best pass rushers yeah. in football. Yeah. So it's interesting. It is interesting. Um, they have to get creative with roster spots. Maybe the idea of giving a roster spot solely to a gunner is more complicated when you've got a crunch at receiver or at edge rusher, where they have probably multiple guys that they want to give looks to, and they certainly have a lot of cornerbacks. So I'm, I'm intrigued. Now, hindsight's always twenty twenty. If Adafi Owe ends up breaking his well, knock on all the wood, we're getting getting significantly hurt playing Gunner. Right. There will be plenty of room for criticism, and you know that possibility always exists. But as of now, um, if I were a punt returner, I wouldn't feel great about receiving no, a punt. No, certainly not. Running down certainly the field. not. No. Um, so that was interesting. Um, speaking of Patrick Queen, I don't know. Nobody is expecting him to not play almost every snap this year, but. Who plays alongside him 
is something that maybe was still slightly in question or at least remained to be seen. And we saw that Malik Harrison got the majority of yeah. the snaps early on in the game on first and second down. And when he was drafted in the third, I believe, uh, yep. last year, that was kind of what we presumed would be to come. Maybe not right away, but in the future. And so right. it seems that perhaps in 2021, that duo will have a chance to make their mark. Well, you saw the the Ravens initially decline the option of LJ Fort. They brought him back later on, sure. um, and you, you know you see them bring him back, and you go, okay, that's a depth piece. That's more of someone who's going to be a rotational of guy. Special teams, right? We know special LJ teams, Fort's you know, very useful in that way. Sure, uh, you know, maybe a third down or fourth down piece you can bring in to stack the line. Who knows? But I, I think that Malik Harrison, they draft him, like you said, in the third round, high up guy. That you know they they eased in last year. He had some issues in pass coverage. He wasn't the best, but I think that you know now you can kind of ease him into a bigger role, and and he can be more of a you know a starting back for you now I, I'm not sure uh, if you you know want to go out and just give him you know a, a three down linebacker job right now but I'm I, also not sure that that they have plans based on the way that the skill set of those they might linebackers not. They might are not. I don't know how many teams are but they certainly wouldn't be smart unless they have Fred Warner and another sure, top coverage sure. guy to have two inside linebackers on the field on third down in right. today's NFL, right? And Patrick Queen, I mean, he also struggled in pass coverage no last doubt. year. Pretty was, and you know, he's faster this year apparently. He says he's two steps faster. We'll see if that, you know, comes to fruition. Faster but, only matters so much. Right. If you, you have slow to, to get your first step going, right? Exactly. Like, you have to be yeah. able to, to co coverage and, and speed is a whole different sure. animal. I mean, you know, it's it's a completely different thing. So, you know, Patrick Queen's gonna have to step up there, but also Malik Harrison. So we'll see how it works out. That was what you maybe were most encouraged with Queen's performance and the limited sample size. He at least showed a little bit more decisiveness. The sideline to sideline explosiveness. Yeah. What we saw in, at LSU, it, it, I think it started to show through a little bit so in that game. Harrison made some nice plays in run stopping. That is his strong suit. And, you know, the Ravens figure to always be active and trying their hardest in run stopping. So that tandem... Well, it remains to be seen. A lot of still action to be played, but it did it seem as though, based on playing time and the time in which they played, that those two are the presumed starters at inside linebacker. Yeah. Um, some impressive work from the defensive line, and again, grain of salt, this is preseason. You can only really glean so much. I think people were impressed with Justin Matavike and the small sample size that he played. Good to see him, you know, making offensive linemen whiff and penetrating and getting in the backfield. I know the Ravens forced, I believe it was six turnovers, if I'm not mistaken. Six turnovers, yeah. So kudos. Yeah. Bully, as Glenn likes to say. We I, like to see it. You know, it, it's it's going to sound cliche, I guess, because uh, this happens so often in preseason, but I was very impressed with our Darius Washington, the undrafted free agent safety. Yeah. Uh, I, You know, he, he forced a fumble. He looked really, really solid to me. But, I, you know, I say it's cliche because we come out here and you can talk about – a million guys that sure. never end up making teams no that look great in preseason. I mean, you can remember the the hundreds of guys who have been this guy for the Raven, Ravens in the past. So I'm not going to put too much stock into this, but I, I want to mention his name because I really no, feel like he he played a very good game. And, and only at 5'8". You know, he's a very small guy. Um, you know, Ed Reed wasn't much bigger than that. So I think that, you know, these some of these small safeties can be interesting, a little sneaky. Uh, we know I, the I Ravens have a proclivity and a tendency to certainly give undrafted free agents chances yep. to see if they're able to earn that. Now, whether Ardarius Washington is going to make his hay in training camp in the preseason games or whether it's more important what he does day-to-day -day in practice, look, right. it's a combination of all of it. You want him to play well in both. And it appears as though he acquitted himself quite well 
along with Geno Stone, who of course had two yep. interceptions. So it's going to be busy back there. There's a lot of guys that they are great problem to have in the rotation, but it'll be tough. I know they'll. They like to give guys chances, and that's all that really can be said right now about this battle. And there are 53 roster spots to be had, and it will be a crunch, as always, to figure out just who makes the cut. Um, other than that, what else really was of substance in the Well, Huntley, Huntley and McSorley, yes. I think, is the big story for me. And I, I said before they, uh, they started the game, I said to my dad, um, this is the biggest season, or not the biggest season, but the biggest game for really either of their career. This is the game that they can go up against each other and really show Harbaugh who is, is you know, might be the guy. Now, I, I have a suspicion, I don't know if this is true, but I have a suspicion that Trace McSorley is one of Harbaugh's guys. You know, Harbaugh has his almost like his club, exclusive club of guys, and I think McSorley is one of them. Um, Maybe so. I don't know. Look, we say it a lot. If Lamar Jackson's not playing, it doesn't matter all that much who the quarterback is because you're they're not, not going to be able to win you're not multiple games in the regular season. You can't count on them to carry the team by any stretch. The defense is going to have to do most of the work at Correct. which point. Yes. Um, now, with that said, which of the two quarterbacks maybe allows the Ravens to try to duplicate the system that they run with a Lamar Jackson at the helm? It would probably be Huntley. You it's saw Huntley. him more it's active Huntley. with his legs, yeah. make people miss in the backfield if the yeah. offensive line is not up to snuff. And, you know, he's he's certainly not the best thrower of the football, but neither is Trace McSorley, right? You're not exactly going to. The Ravens did not opt to go the route of having a backup quarterback whose strength was throwing the football. Right. It's right. clear they are going to stick with the system no matter who's at the helm now, so who does a better job? And at least on Saturday, it was Huntley. Um, but again, does it matter? Does it matter if Lamar Jackson's not on the field? Who gives you the best I, chance to win one football game? I I. I think it might be right yeah i i think it's Huntley. i i think that you know given his his legs and and the ability to get out of the pocket and escape it i didn't see trace's ability to really get out of the pocket on on saturday maybe that's just a small sample size of course and you know you're playing behind a a basically you know patchwork offensive line however uh i you know mcsorley doesn't have that burst he doesn't have that ability to kind of extend the play good athlete he's a good athlete but i four six i think in the combine sure i mean that's great but i I would think huntley's more of like a four four um maybe even a four three five. I mean, th- this guy is clearly to me the better athlete of the two. Uh, and, and McSorley, I think, is a more polished passer. I-, I think he is a little bit more accurate, especially in the short game. But if I'm taking a guy to throw a deep ball, and you give me one of the two, I'm going to pick Huntley all day. I think Huntley is a better deep ball thrower. I mean, yeah, maybe. I again, I will continue to say, I don't know if it matters. If you're just going to be evaluating it on who do you want in a pinch to Mm -hmm. run the offense that Lamar Jackson runs, I'm going to largely defer to Huntley because of his speed and what I imagine would give them the ability to run their zone read, motion offense, out of the shotgun. I know they were under center a lot on Saturday night, maybe more than we're used to seeing in a Greg Roman offense. And I think because of... Deception. They don't want to give away anything right now. Um, it's and not as if people aren't expecting them to be heavy shotgun, though, right? Right, like, exactly. So it, it's going to be shotgun pistol all year. But I also think, too, like you mentioned with the zone reads and, and read option, I don't think many defenders are getting faked out by Trace McSorley. No. I just don't think you're going to play Trace McSorley instead of the run. I doubt that. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Um, so, you know, that will be something to monitor. It'll be curious to see. 
Um, how many quarterbacks do they keep? I know they signed Barner. I forget his name. Kaji. Ken, uh, Kenyon Barner. Ken, not Kenyon. Kenjin Barner? Ken, yeah, I don't something know. like that. Something, he was the oh, Kenji Bahar. That's Kenji it. Kenji Bahar. That's he was it. The, Kenyon, Kenyon Barner's the running yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bahar was signed when Lamar Jackson went down with COVID to give them a little bit more depth. Uh, I don't know whether his signing indicates that maybe McSorley might be dealing. I know somebody had speculated that perhaps he was dealing with a bit of an injury. Um, but they did add him back to the fold. Um, so that's one more guy to keep an eye on, but I would have to think that based off Saturday, it's Huntley with a leg up and it remains to be seen whether they'll keep three quarterbacks. Again, like I said, 53 spots in the roster. They got to make some tough decisions, but with Lamar Jackson being unvaccinated, does that make them more prone to say we need three quarterbacks? I don't have the answer. We won't know until September rolls around, but right. as of now, they were adequate at best. Probably Huntley had some plays, made some impressive things happen. Um, but there's certainly criticisms to be levied against both of them. Um, that's, I mean, I was impressed by Tyson Wallace or Williams, the running back. Showed some oh, impressive Williams, yep, jump yep. cuts and made some catches out of the backfield and looked pretty, he quitted himself nicely. I was, I was happy to see that maybe he might be in the mix as far as that third running back spot is concerned. Right. Justice Hill wasn't, you know, oh, didn't wow. No. But you no. know what you have with Justice Hill. Um, and you and get special teams with Justice Hill. That's the well. thing, right? Are no. they looking for primarily a, and you would assume they would want that guy to be a contributor in special teams. Um, I still don't exactly know who is the, we've seen a lot of talk about J.K. Dobbins improving his ability as a pass catcher this yeah. preseason and how he looks like a natural and all that fun. I, can he block? That's all that I really care about because last right, year yeah. he couldn't. Right, So exactly. you're not going to have your third down be back because somebody who can't pick up a blitz and diagnose where the pressure is coming or, from. Or run routes to catch the ball. I think that's been, yeah. a, been a problem for J.K. Dobbins as well. Sure. So there are questions as that is concerned. Um, look, preseason, has got to get through it healthy. And yeah, yeah. as of now, we appear to have avoided anything serious with Bradley Bozeman. He returned to the sidelines with his ankle taped up, but – it is a precarious reminder about the depth that exists on the offensive line, as right. they were already without Ronnie Stanley, Kevin Zeitler, Alejandro Villanueva. I know Zeitler returned back to practice today and appears to be, if not on the mend, back and fine, and that's good. We like to see that. Stanley, it was more precautionary for him to not see the field. There's literally no reason for him to be on the field in a preseason game. Just let his ankle and Achilles heal up as best as it can so that he is still on track and appears to be there's no doubt right now that he should be playing week one and that there have been no setbacks or reason to be concerned about the state of Ronnie Stanley that's not to say that there won't be some rust for him to shake off but as it stands currently he is still the only stalwart right on the offensive line for the Baltimore Ravens now Will they be able to make it work? They largely have throughout my life on the offensive line. Lamar Jackson, I think, makes that job even a little easier as he can cover up some flaws on a line with his elusiveness and escapability. And that makes, as we've said, right, I think when we talked about Orlando Brown being a premium trade asset, we had some people chime in and say the Ravens offensive line is maybe a bit easier than other offensive lines. Do no what doubt. they ask no their doubt. players to do. Yeah. So am I concerned about the state of the offensive line more so than I am about the running backs like more so than I am about the defensive line and secondary but it, it's not a code I, like a threat level midnight or a code red that, sort is of that thing. the show from the yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um no I, I think um I, I think it is the number one concern for me I, I don't think it's 
a, you know, a red flag where the, the alarms are going off and everyone's running out of the building because it's so bad or, you know, whatever. It's not, you know, it's not that bad, but it's, it's not great. It's I, I'm not going to lie. There's I'm not reason it, for right. concern. Even with your starters, you know, if, if Ben Cleveland's the guy, Villanueva, you know, Villanueva is going to be the right tackle. So and we assume, yeah. I don't think that is going to be great for the entire season. No, I'm not going to lie. I don't think that's probably my <laughs> biggest question about right. the Adams of line currently. So um, I, I think that based on the inexperience, number one, um, and then the injury history for a lot of these guys as well, I don't know what we're going to see. You know, I, I if you if you say to me that in week seven Villanueva gets injured and and Ben Powers takes over, I'm gonna have even less confidence. Oh, so yeah. right now, where we are, it's not great. There's not a lot of depth. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, wide receiver, nothing really to write home about during the course of the game. I mean, again, grain of salt, grain of salt, grain of salt. Preseason, all day. You can yes. only say yes. so much. But for both James Prochet and Tylen Wallace to be getting as Quiet. many snaps as they had and produce as little as they did, it's yeah. partially, I would have to think, related to the quarterbacks yep. and yep. not pushing the ball downfield and all that. So, I, uh, I thought Jalen Moore looked good. You know, he had pretty good explosiveness, sure. ran some good routes. But I, I put very little into this because I don't see Jalen Moore making this roster. Correct. I don't see any way, even if he has an incredible preseason, he puts up, you know, let's say he puts up 300 yards in the preseason, which he won't, but yeah. Yeah. say he did. Um, I still don't think he'd make this no. team. I mean, look, Rashad Bateman will be out until week three and four, perhaps. So right. there will be a spot, at least one extra spot on the streaming core to start the year. Um, but no, I don't disagree. I don't know how they prioritize that position. And I would right. have to think that guys like... Crochet and Boykin will have the leg up inevitably because their status is draft picks. Talon Wallace will not, I don't think, get cut as a fourth round pick. No way. Yeah. So, you know, there's only so many spots. There's at most they're keeping, it would be a shock, but the most they could ever keep, I would think, would be seven. And I don't see that happening either. It'll probably be around six. Right. And Lord knows who those will be. Um, Josh Oliver acquitted himself nicely as the third tight end. You like to see that. Um, really really good blocking from Oliver. And I thought Ben Mason as well had some really nice blocks. I, I think it's an uphill battle for Mason to make this roster. I don't disagree. I mean, I don't think they'd keep two fullbacks. So Mason would have to really prove his mettle as a right. tight end and his ability to do that. So I don't know. A lot of people had criticisms about them drafting Mason in lieu of maybe more depth at tackle. Um, you know, that is not unfounded. I would imagine no, that there is no. certainly still need for depth on the offensive line. We know the Ravens to scour the market as cuts continue to be made throughout the preseason, and I would, you know, if I was a betting man, I might bet on them adding more to the offensive line before this is all said and done. But here they are, 1-0. Kudos. Like to see it. Um, I want to talk quickly before we take our first break um, about Chris Davis. We chatted on both Friday and Thursday about the sentiment um, around Baltimore for Orioles fans uh, as to whether or not they are able to feel any warm emotions toward a guy who earned the biggest contract by a wide margin in Orioles history and produced very little. Uh, the opposite of such was perhaps the worst player in baseball history for some of those years. Yeah, I personally... Whether it's because I was able to sort of separate myself from the embarrassment that was the Orioles from 2018, 2019, 2020, and the astronomical amount of money that he was making, still have fond memories of Chris Davis as a Baltimore Oriole. I will never forget the good times, right? They were some of my yeah. most fun instances as an Orioles fan in my life, as somebody who 
as, as formative years as an Orioles fan are concerned, was in the dark ages of Baltimore baseball. Yep. Like, as a kid, I expected nothing other than obscurity and embarrassment, and that's more or less what I got. Chris Davis was present and a big part of the turnaround. Um, yeah. Of course, that trade for Koji Uhara back in 2011 – um, it worked out. You cannot say otherwise. He turned into one of the best hitters in baseball for a couple seasons there. And in 2012, 13, 15, he was beyond productive. He was an integral part of those teams' success. And none of that is to say he is not deserving of criticism because, by God, there's plenty to be levied against him. He truly was atrocious. Yeah, at his worst. <laughs> that would be the that would be a, a compliment. I yes, think. yes, he was an embarrassment. Yeah, there's no other way to put it. Um, bars ran specials that said that was yeah, still unbelievable to me. Right, hit, right, right. Yeah, yeah still unbelievable to me. Sixty-four at bat streak without a hit. Yeah, um, it was a laughing stock at its worst. That said, you know. I still like Chris Davis. Like, I do. I, I like him as a human being. Yeah. I think he's a great guy. Um, but I, I, I said this on when I was on on Friday that I'm just kind of indifferent to this at this point. I, I think that Davis wasn't going to be an Oriole for next year. We knew that. It was going to be one way or the other. He was going to be cut or he was going to retire. I, I think it was going to be one way or the other. And I accepted that after he played his last game on, on September 11th in 2020. I, I think that the writing was on the wall for Chris sure. Davis. So for me, uh, you know, if this was Cal Ripken's retirement, of or, I'm, I'm, you know, I would be extremely emotional about it. But for Chris Davis, it's been so bad for so long that I'm really not emo- I, I just, it's I'm indifferent to it. At this I point. would never purport Chris Davis to be an Orioles legend, ever. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's not even close. It's an ignominious tenure for Chris Davis. No, not, not an Orioles world. legend. No, I, I no. think an Orioles... He's part of the story of the franchise. Yes, I for, think an Orioles for, great. For better and worse. And I don't even think I would call him an Orioles great. Okay, what fair it's enough. I mean, fair he enough. has, like, what is it? The He has a lot of homers, right? Like, yeah. he's got yeah. the most home runs ever hit on Utah Street, I think. He had 11 in one year, if I'm not mistaken, and he produced some of my fondest memories for a Baltimore Oriole in my life. But... That is the good, and there's more bad. I am not beyond admitting that. I am also able to, you know, compartmentalize those two, those two things. Yeah. And look, he sucked. He was he was awful. Yeah. He was awful. But he was also really good. And that's a complicated dichotomy, um, and it produces a wide range of emotions. And I understand fans who feel nothing but anger toward him. But as we've said on Thursday, it is not his fault that the Orioles only spent big on him. It is not his fault that the Orioles bungled their trade assets with Manny Machado and Zach Britton and Jonathan Scope and the guys who did have value. It is not his fault that the Orioles traded Kevin Gosman in a move more or less to unload Darren O'Day's salary. All of this is separate and can also be true that he was a you know, arguably the worst contract ever given out in baseball history. Um, but I still can't feel only anger. I still have the positive feelings, and I'm not... I'm not one t- 
to just be rejoicing in the end of his career. It is a sad story at times, and I know that yeah, yeah, people justifiably criticized him for his interview with Sports Illustrated and Lindsey Adler that year, where he was talking about yeah. like, I'm 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 failing as a like I'm setting an example for how to deal with failure and like a sort of self-righteous way of dealing with it and right he basically said that you know as as a christian i have to to come out and fix this or something along those lines it was it was kind of a weird interview i'm 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 jesus right now right and i I said it right right correct not beyond criticism not beyond criticism on and off the field he probably look for all i know he made a lot of changes in his approach and tried to fix it but he didn't work we can say that definitively. It did not work. No. He never regained anywhere close to the form that earned him his contract, and it will forever leave a bad taste in Orioles fans' mouths. I don't know if what Glenn was talking about, the Orioles would need to win a World Series for the Buck to turn, no pun intended, as Buck Showalter is still due to join us in this hour. But um, I don't, I don't even necessarily feel like he needs to be an Orioles Hall of Famer. For what it's worth. You don't okay. I, see, I'm on the other end of that. I do believe he is, uh, and I, I think I, you might end up being one. But it's not like I'm going to campaign for his. Well, no, I would. I would neither. I would neither. I, I don't think that I would ever campaign for for someone that I personally was so frustrated with for so many years. And I, I think you know, I said this to Glenn too uh, on Friday that you have to look at it only one way to me. You have to accept what he did and his greatness on and off the field from the you know in those playoff mm-hmm. teams and and you know from what he was here from 2011 to 2017 or really 2016. Yeah. Um. And then you also have to to recognize the, to me, unwillingness to change anything from 2017 to, to 2020. And really? I, I I think that you have to accept both of those, um, and take that and put them all together and it's a very complicated legacy. It's very complicated. You are correct. You are correct. The legacy of Chris Davis will forever be a sore spot. I'm not sure it's something people are going to forget about. I think this is going to live with the team, like you said, until they're a World Series team. I think this is going to be a long-standing, you know, uh, bad taste in people's mouth. I think this is going to stay. Look, I don't expect it to happen, but if the Orioles turn around this offseason and sign Carlos Correa for $180 million, I think that people will then they will might, then, then they forget. the sure. taste. Yeah. It's, I think that the... The understanding of the team as spendthrift, the understanding that the team has pinched pennies or pinched pennies, that one, pinched pennies for more or less the entirety of my life with the exception of 2004 and 2014 when they spent a little bit on Ubaldo Jimenez and Nelson Cruz. Um, But even that, you have a bad taste in your mouth after they refused to spend on Cruz and Marquecas the year after. Um, Every turn of my life, the Orioles have been, I don't mean, maybe you could just say cheap. They've been cheap. They have not yeah. wanted to pay the I, market I, value for players that are good. And they would rather spend on names who used to be good and fill out a roster. And that's what perhaps makes me more forgiving of just how bad the team is right now because they're right. at least losing with purpose. You know, which I think remains to be seen of what kind of uh, of GM Elias is and what kind of owner John Angelus is. I think that you know it's it, it, this could change really very fast that Michael Elias could be a guy who signs younger players for, to to you know max contracts to these 300 million dollar deals in 2025. That could be the GM Michael Elias is or he could follow the Dan Duquette, you know, uh, mantra of of signing 35-year-old pitchers who want to sign young 3 years. To be fair that. though, Michael Elias will be Dan Duquette 
if that's what the ownership exactly dictates. exactly it's, not- it's going to be what John Angelos right. does and, and what he wants compared right. to what Peter does um, and I I can't imagine that John Angelos has a very different mindset than Peter does I, I hope, don't know I hope he does I hope he at least I hope he does as well. yeah. that, or he's not just giving lip service when they said that they'd spend when they're competitive because. Mm-hmm. At this point, I think obviously fans' patience is 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 waning, despite the fact that very maybe thin. They very should thin. have. I don't know what they expected, right? Like it was unrealistic to think that by 2021 or 2022, especially given the pandemic and yeah. losing out on a year of minor league baseball altogether, that this would suddenly be the time when mm-hmm. it turned. Um, you are look, Adley Rushman's in AAA. Yeah, he's one step away. Grayson Rodriguez continues I, to dominate. There's certainly things to feel positive about at the minor league level. That yes, said they're not there yet. But I'll tell you where the anger comes from. The anger comes from the fact that this Orioles team is in the at the major league level. Not at not at any. I'm not talking about the organization. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the Orioles team, the major league team, is at the exact same spot they were in 2018. No, I think that's where the frustration atrocious. comes from. Right. I, I think people figured that you know a Dean Kramer or a Bruce Zimmerman or, or one Keegan of these Aiken, guys, Keegan Aiken, sure, any Zimmerman any of these guys was pitching well, but Zach Lowther, you know, Alex Wells, any of these guys. Sure. Uh, would be you know anchors to this rotation, and at least until you get the more advanced guys like Kyle Bradish or Grayson an Rodriguez. An anchor is maybe too strong of a word. At least, at least uh, serviceable. Uh, uh, at least like I'll a say a bridge. Would you be would have a, taken a, a four or five ERA yes, for many exactly, of them and felt exactly. thrilled. But and most of the Orioles starters have eight ERAs. Yep. Um, and it's been unfathomably bad. Uh, w- with pitching for this team, at least so Matt Harvey's I, got like a one six seven. <laughs> Matt Harvey's been Matt Harvey. Yeah, he's been he's been great. At this point, he might be back next year. He might he might be. Uh, but you know, I feel like Scott Boris might ask for like ten million dollars, being the Hayes's agent, and Matt Harvey is Matt Harvey. He's a you know a, a kind of a weird story in baseball, and he's having a great year, and I'm not going to deny that. But I I think more people. Uh, can be critical of Elias for for I guess putting too much into what these rookie pitchers he thought might have done. He you know I, I guess he put too much confidence in them, um, and, and he could have taken the Tigers approach by signing a few you know mid level veterans and making this team a little more watchable. I'm, it's a delicate balance. It is. I it know, is. Stan no doubt. The fan was was correct in 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 lobbying for the Orioles to sign Colin McHugh yes, this offseason. Yes, ex- a perfect example of, of something that would have been much better. And, yeah. you know, hi, like I said, hindsight's twenty twenty. McHugh has been one of the better pitchers in baseball. A great turnaround story would have inevitably gotten them something on the trade market. That said, I have taken the approach, as far as the Orioles' rebuild is concerned, that, look, chances are they're going to suck as far as the record goes regardless. And this is an opportunity yeah. with little consequence, other than, like we've mentioned, the waning patience of fans, in figuring out if you have anything, in answering one way or another, yes or no, if any of these guys could reasonably be part of this rebuild. Um, right. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of no's. Uh, really, only Cedric Mullins has been a yes as far as what you may have expected entering the season. Um, Austin Hayes has had his moments, but he appears to be a platoon bat. Um, so I understand the the ire directed toward the Orioles for maybe giving these opportunities to these guys, but I would rather know after this year that Keegan Aiken is an 8.23 ERA pitcher than wonder whether or not if he had had a chance, he might have proved worthy. So... It's it's unfortunate. You you wish these guys were having success. You wish Dean Kramer had proved worthy. You wish you had gotten something back in the Manny Machado trade that makes you feel good. Rylan Vanden's on a tear recently, but he's still hitting 167 with a sub 300 on base percentage. So yeah, it is what it is. All right, we're gonna take our first break. Uh, on the other side, we will chat with Orioles manager 
Buck Showalter and get his thoughts on the complicated story of Chris Davis and exactly how it all went down and yeah. what he remembers. I'm sure both good and bad. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by Window Nation. It is Window Nation's 15th year anniversary. During August, all customers that get an in-home estimate will be entered to win your home project for free. Or buy two windows and get two for free. Plus, pay nothing for two full years. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. It is Glenn Clark Radio, Glenn Clarkless Radio, Kyle Ottenheimer, Zach Goodman. We will be right back. Party with the Flock at the Ravens Countdown to Kickoff Watch Party presented by Miller Lite on Monday, September 13th at M&T Bank Stadium. Celebrate the start of the season with a live performance by all-time low, plus a watch party for the Ravens vs. Raiders game on the Ravens Vision Boards. Appearances by Ravens legends, cheerleaders, Baltimore's marching Ravens, playmakers, and Poe. Tickets are $10 in advance and $20 the day of the event. Visit BaltimoreRavens.com slash kickoff for tickets and more info. Glory Days Grill's popular summer seasonal menu is back with favorites like their very berry salad and smoky thigh wings. It also features the all-new shrimp po' boy, crispy fried shrimp on a freshly baked sub roll with lettuce, tomato, and a house-made spicy remoulade. Other delicious items include a 12-ounce New York strip steak, the barbecue chicken bowl, barbecue ribs, and smoky thigh wings combo platter, zucchini fries, and a key lime pie. All of these meals pair well with Sam Adams Summer Ale or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. Glory Days Grill is hiring all positions. Want to work for a great family-oriented company known for their commitment to the community? Stop into one of their restaurants and speak with a manager. Management opportunities are available. Find out more by going to glorydaysgrill.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage call c3 american exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible don't let the insurance industry get one over on you c3 guarantees a 48 hour rapid response call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis it takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. As one of only seven equestrian events of its kind, the inaugural Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill will give you unparalleled access to Olympic athletes in action. Come see the world's best horses and riders compete at the new Fair Hill Special Event Zone this October 14th through 17th in Elkton, Maryland. Don't miss the exhilarating cross-country competition, the elegance of dressage, and the precision of show jumping. There's something for the whole family, including great shopping, the Fresh Food Fest, beer, wine, and spirits, showcase and so much more come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the maryland five star at fair hill october 14th through 17th buy your tickets now at maryland5star.us with the number five 
Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. And we are back. Glenn Clark Radio, Kyle Ottenheimer, Zach Goodman. Uh, Today's show is also brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Uh, Still to come on today's show, we're going to catch up with 105.7's Jeremy Kahn in the 11 a.m. hour as well as WBAL sportscaster and uh, Ravens pre- and post-game host Pete Gilbert as he will uh, give his thoughts on what he saw on Saturday from the Ravens and if anything really matters. But joining us right now is a man who Baltimore sports fans and Orioles fans in particular probably liken more toward a a loving grandfather than they do an Orioles manager as Buck Showalter joined the show and he uh, chatted with Glenn on Friday afternoon about um, Chris Davis, the complicated career of Chris Davis from a man who had a front row seat to his triumphs and failures. But he is Buck Showalter and he joins us now on Glenn Clark Radio. Well, it's always a pleasure to be joined now here on GCR by the former manager of the Baltimore Orioles, now an analyst for MLB Network, and certainly someone who uh, knew Chris Davis quite well while he was here in Baltimore. He is the great Buck Showalter, and he's back with us on GCR. Buck, it's Glenn. It's always great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Glenn, how are you doing today? It's uh, you know. Kind of tough day for Chris. I've texted back and forth with him a little bit, but uh, we'll get together. He doesn't live that far from me here in Texas, but uh, interesting day. You know, Buck, if I could, I remember you telling me one of the times that we talked that you had stayed in touch with him, you know, after you had moved on and as he had gone through his struggles. Can sure. can you share anything about, like, what he was dealing with and, and, and what, if anything, you tried to tell? I, I can't imagine what it must have been like for everyone who cared about Chris Davis to watch him go through what he went through the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, Chris, I think a lot of people forget very quickly, Chris played 160 games for the Orioles twice in a season, 157 the year before. I mean, another year, uh, you know, drove in over 100 runs twice. I mean, it was uh, pretty magical, some things he did there on the field. And, yeah, I just challenge people to dwell on that as much as they can. And uh, believe me, Chris wanted to be on the field. It wasn't a matter of want to. And uh, he just went through a lot. You know, you go through a period where in Texas people doubted you. Uh, Mr. Angelos was the one that really pushed for him to be included in that deal when he and Andy McPhail and the organization were doing that. And it came in the Tommy Hunter deal, mm-hmm. I believe, where we traded Koji yep. Uahari. But he... Uh, you know, Chris took the responsibility of the contract almost to a fault too deeply and you know you, you can want something too much I, I used to keep telling him that you know you know you didn't make this contract happen you did by what you played on the field and you know you can only do what you can do but uh, you know he cared about being a good teammate he uh, he always wanted to do the right thing and 
I think he's in a I think he's in a good place right now, all things considered. You you know, going back to when he arrived, it, he was not a sure thing that you guys got in that trade. You mentioned that, that Peter Angelos kind of pushed for it. There was not the assumption at that point that you guys had received this surefire middle of the lineup bat. Everybody knew his power potential at that point, but it was not a sure thing. Why did it work? What what happened that made it work that he did become a fifty home run guy in the major league? Well, it was it was a fit from the standpoint that you know in Texas he had all these you know numbers, gaudy numbers he was putting up, and he would come up, and it wouldn't happen right away. I think you saw it some with Joey Gallo with Texas, and you know the missers. It's I think the atmosphere and the uh, team. You know, capital letters we were able to put around him and with him where the focus wasn't there all the time. You know, there was Adam, there was Nick Arcakis, there was Weeders, there was Hardy, there was Manny and Scope later. And uh, it was just, he wasn't the total focus all the time. And, uh, you know, through it, you know, he was in a real comfort zone and he knew people. And when you trade for somebody, you're basically telling them publicly, we want you. Hmm. And he knew that he had a, a safety net, so to speak, because quite frankly, Glenn, when you make a trade, you want that trade to succeed, really, in my mind, for both teams. So one, they'll trade with you again. Sure, sure. And you want, uh, you know, your baseball people in front office to look like they know what they're doing. And, you know, both those players were very usable pieces for us, to say the least. Uh, obviously, and important and so parts. Coach. And so was Coach. Sure, sure. Of course, it went on. It was even better in Boston after that. Um, uh, Buck Showalter, of course, is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. But Buck, with that in mind, I feel like, if I remember correctly, that, that Mark Reynolds had, I remember talking to Mark about Chris uh, years ago and the impact that being around Mark, maybe, am I remembering that correctly, that, that being around Mark was really beneficial to Chris as, as he yeah. was, was getting there? We, were, we had a lot of guys that, you know, I don't know, some people, maybe the way we played the game kind of... Uh, workmanlike, but we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of guys that were a lot of fun to be around. And because they didn't take themselves too seriously, and I think that's what Mark brought for Chris was, okay, Chris, you know, and the other guys are pretty good. The pitchers, you know, not saying you welcome or condone failure, but, you know, it's it's about how you deal with the failure in this game that you have a lot of it in. And uh, I think Mark really uh, made Chris – not take himself so seriously and more importantly, not take it home with him. And, you know, I used to talk to Chris and said, you know, the two greatest challenges you're going to have in your life is being a good father and being a good husband. You know, when it's all said and done, they pull the dirt over you. That's really what you're going to be remembered as. So be sure you get that right as you go forward in your life. I think Mark was cut from that same cloth and believe me, they were two competitive guys. They hated to fail Hmm. to a fault, but they also knew when to, you know, kind of take a step back to listen. You're not that important. That's interesting. It's an interesting thought, Buck. Um, I, as he as he went through those years, and I know that 2014 was, you know, ironically a tough year for him. While it was clearly, you know, the best Orioles team that you were a part of, H- how significant did he become to the next group of guys? And the way that you talk about the Mark Reynolds relationship with him, how significant did he become to the next guys that were coming to the big league? Well, he tried a lot. You know, I, I, you know, it's, Jim Tomey and I used to talk about this and still do. You know, you, you know, your what you've done in the past is important, and, and you know, it gets your foot in the door and this and that, whatever. But 
you know, at some point you have to perform on the field. But Chris was not afraid. He wasn't like going to knock somebody's door down to share knowledge with him. But he was very, uh, you know, because he'd gone through all the ups and downs that young players have. You know, they they basically did not think he would ever reach the heights that he reached in Baltimore and Texas. And uh, I, I remember distinctly that Peter just, uh, Angelus just, you know, didn't want to make the deal without Chris Davis in it. And he just thought that was a good fit for us. And thank goodness he did. Well, and obviously he was hell-bent to keep him around a few years later. We all know yeah, that. And, you know, and that, you know, that was a, a step-out move, obviously, for, for uh, Mr. Angelus. about why he wanted to do it. He felt like the people of Baltimore, and you know, he wanted to make this commitment to somebody that had been very good for us. It just didn't work out on yeah. the field. Mostly physically, because physically he had some challenges. But Bucket, can I go back for a second? Because I'm, I'm listening to you talk about the the pressure that he felt to the contract. I'm remembering the the you know some of the things that you had said, and I think you were making a joke once about like him going into Target and being able to. But did did you did you know anything then? That like did you know that there was a chance that maybe that that the contract because of of who he was or anything about him that the contract could become something. That become, became, you yeah, know. You, you know, Glenn, you don't ever think you know for sure exactly what's going to do with anybody. You, okay. You, you're around somebody as much as we are. You know, you, you say, well, that, this will never affect him, or this will never do this, or this will affect him. Then you get into it, and you might, you know, nobody's right all the time. But I remember at first base one time, and I, and I knew there was some talk going on during DT. During DT, I was talking to him, and he said, what do you think? You know, he used to ask, and I go, well, Chris, how much is enough? Right. I said, how much is enough? I said, you know, with, you know, there's nothing, the weight of expectations and something he was playing for free at that time either. And he knew that. I mean, but how many of us would walk away from that? Oh, no, no, That's no. Not, and, and, you know, so let's don't, you know, not you. I'm, I'm just yeah. talking in general. Yeah. I mean, put yourself in news. And believe me, Chris wore it on his sleeve. It was, it ate at him, you know, not being able to, to return statistically what the contract, you know, dictated. You know, let's face it, the world's paid him for what he did in the past and hopefully was going to do in the future. And I think Mr. Angelo's felt a real commitment, like he always has to the city, to, you know, try to bring Chris back. Because at the time, everybody was clamoring for no, it. No, question. And loved the idea. You know, we you know, it was kind of behind-the-scenes thing. I didn't know a whole lot about it until it really happened. But, uh, you know, it, it it was impossible to duplicate some of the seasons he had had there. I mean, they're historic. Did did you reference some of the physical things that he went through? Did did pitchers and catch some up? Some self-inflicted. Things. Okay, some self-inflicted. He'd be the first to tell you. Okay, so a lot has been made, Buck, about you know uh, in the recent years about his unwillingness to adjust, and and I you know I think a lot of times we say things to try to cover ourselves. So like we don't know exactly what. You know, just because we can't see something doesn't mean there isn't necessarily an adjustment. But is it was it fair for him to face the criticism in recent years well, for an unwillingness to adjust? Fair, you know what, what's fair? You know, a lot of people weigh in on things they don't really know about. I don't talk to pilots about how to land a plane. Sure, they they pay me to do that first. every day, and I and I hope yeah, they and keep I, doing that. That's what uh, we do, and, and you know, I'm not going to tell a surgeon how to do a heart surgery. I just but at the same time, I saw Chris try to make adjustments. You know, it okay. could be at 2 o'clock on the field with nobody there. I remember he and Jim Presley and Scott Kulaw doing all type of things. But, you know, when you've had so much success doing things a certain way, you know, drastic change, 
what do you want him to do, choke up and start punching the ball the other way? I mean, Chris's contact damage ratio was, was off the charts. The damage, uh, and I don't know how much of that was dictated by his physical. Chris was so hard to be physically fit and physically able to do the things that he did. A lot of it was natural. But, uh, I mean, we took this guy. I mean, he could run. Uh, one of the reasons we took him, we thought he could play the outfield or third base. Mm-hmm. If someone came along that could only play first base, which he did. I mean, I remember looking years ago about him pitched a college to this day. That's one of the reasons I was going to sign up card about who might pitch in Boston that game. Uh, Chris <laughs> came to mind. But uh, that's just knowing, you know, the background of your players and, and their history. But he uh, – adjustments, you know, he tried to make a lot of them. He did because he didn't like uh, the failure, but you know, it just didn't work out for him. We're chatting with Buck Showalter. Can we go back to that day? Cause I don't think you and I ever, you know, have had a conversation about that day in Boston. Like at, at what point did you know? And what was the conversation like? It, it will be as pleasant memory for all the home runs. It's the one that, that Orioles fans <laughs> cling to forever. Like what, how it came about and, and, and what you're alluding to, why you knew it was an option and something that might work in that situation. Well, first of all, there are a lot of factors. I was thinking about a couple plannings before because you always try to think about what if. job as a manager, and uh, you never assume anything. Plannings ahead. and I, get, I had a feel when this game was headed, and at some point we were getting into diminishing returns. You know, we were... You know, you, you could win that game but lose the next three because of the way you want it. So sometimes in a long season, you may not put your best foot forward in order to maintain the health of you know, your club and everything. So I knew we were about out of pitchers, and I wasn't about to extend anybody and not have them available for us in the next two series. It's just not smart. And um, Chris was DHing that day, and I remember consulting – some people to make sure I was right about the fact that he could stay in the game as a hitter because he is a DH and could you put the mm-hmm. DH in the game, making sure I was right about the rule because Bobby Ballantyne with the Red Sox questioned it, uh, but then he ended up copying us about an inning later and put his guy. <laughs> but what did they say the greatest form of flattery is imitation? imitation exactly right, yes. But I didn't want to tell Chris in advance. I thought, you know, I didn't want it even in his brain because he was going to have to hit or anything. It was just a matter of Chris, grab your glove, go down the bullpen, twin ends, and start warming up. We may have to use you. You know, and he gave me that look, and okay. And it was, you know, I asked him first. I not make anybody do it. Chris was all in. He goes, yep. And he had very little time to think about it. We were talking about it later on the plane. And he said, you know, it was great, because if I would had two minutes to think about that, he goes, I don't know what would happen. <laughs> Just got to go do it. Just got to go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the and that was the type of teams we had. We really talked a lot about the team needs you to do this. The team needs you to bunt. The team needs you to, to pinch run. The team needs you to do this. And there were no questions asked with those group of guys because the leadership we had with Marcakis and Jones and Hardy and Weeders. And, and then we brought up young players that we could expose to that type of mentality. And I think I see Manny maturing every day, and it really makes me proud of the, the people that we were able to put around him. It's one of the reasons why we brought Manny and John Scope up a little early because yeah. we knew the people that were going to be around them to show them the way. 
Buck, the, uh, you know, we haven't talked since the night of the Home Run Derby. What did it mean to you for the rest of the country to get to, to celebrate Trey the way that they did and, and, and see his story and all of that? How much, how meaningful was that for you? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, first of all, he earned it. I mean, he, he's, there's no charity case here, but if they did, that'd be okay, too. <laughs> and uh, I just wish he'd been at the Field of Dreams game last night. He would have fit, fit right in there, huh? My word, would he have. My, no, right? Like, like, he, like he was where he was always supposed to be. No question. <laughs> now, there are certain guys you can trust to sell yourself emotionally to. He's one of those guys. Yep. I mean, he's, everything you see, so many times... I don't want to meet my heroes because sometimes it'll blow up in my face and go, wow, it wasn't really how I perceived it. Believe me, everything you perceive about Trey is true. His mom and dad did a great job with him. No, he's he's 100% the real deal. He is the absolute best. And there he was is. that before, long before his sickness. Uh, how and that, okay? So you bring up the Field of Dreams game. Are you now? Do you now start pitching again? That you need to get back to managing now that you know they're going to be doing games there every year. Like I, you, you have to experience that at some point, don't you? <laughs> You know, as, as I got closer to it, I uh, I've got to know. Uh, I've not got to know. I've met Kevin Costner, and the reason why his his sports movies, you know, he went to Cal State Fullerton, I believe. He actually played the game. You can tell by his actions. Some of these guys in the, I mean, I'm a little critical of, of games or players and, and movies. You can tell they never played a day in their life. Kevin, sure. you can tell, and he's got a feel for it, and you can tell what it meant to him, and. Uh, I don't know. It makes me want to go there without anybody around and just walk around. And uh, I remember playing catch with my dad. I remember the first time I thought he didn't play catch with me anymore. He just, it was, I was throwing too hard, and he, he didn't trust himself seeing it or catching it. I went from my mother to my sisters to my dad, and then I knew I was going to be decent because he didn't catch me anymore. <laughs> I'd do anything to play catch with him right now. Oh man, that's powerful, Buck. That's really powerful to hear you talk about that. And uh, I got I got two boys right now, and uh, I love playing catch with them. You know, I I love it. it. There's something. There's nothing that can compare to it in the entire world. There's nothing at all. Buck Showalter, uh, you got uh, you got a schedule for when we're going to be seeing you on MLB Network. Well, you know, I'm working with the Yes Network too. I'm uh, doing them this coming week for uh, two series. But I get to do them out of the uh, spare bedroom upstairs. That's kind of nice. You put on a coat and tie and a pair of shorts. <laughs> yeah, right. In some slippers, sure. <laughs> yeah, and then you watch the game. It's it's great. And then uh, you know, I go up there for about a week to ten days uh, to New Jersey once a month, and it's great. People love the game up there. They, you know, we're trying to promote the game. It's not about beating up on people. Problem: a lot of broadcasters they forget about how tough the game was to play and how bad they were on a given night. It's a hard game, hard game. Uh, that's a that's a fact. The greatest players of all time fail more often than they succeeded, right? Like that's yeah, the so the, the managers, okay? <laughs> that, we don't remember any of those at all, Buck. We've never thought I ever do. Don't about. Don't worry, I do. I do. Buck, always appreciate you taking the time for us, sir. Thank you so much. Let's talk again soon. All right. All right, Glenn. Thanks for having me. There he goes, Buck Showalter, Orioles, former Orioles manager, a man who uh, helped author some of my fondest baseball memories in my life, and I could listen to him talk for hours at a time. There right, is right. Not I mean, a lot of people. If, there's, uh, if you're not sentimental about Chris Davis, which sure. I don't think a lot of us are, uh, you can be sentimental about Buck Showalter and, and his time in Baltimore because it was truly – I, you know, he changed I, the culture. He really did. Yeah. You know, did so much for what this team became yeah. in those playoff years. I remember 
I mean, I could listen to Buck Showalter talk about how red the Cardinals in his backyard were. I did once, <laughs> and I enjoyed it immensely. Um, I think you could listen to anything. Buck Showalter talks about and have fun with yeah, it. He's the best. He Truly is. the best. Um, I got to shake his hand once, and he said, don't meet your heroes. Well, I'm glad I got the chance to meet Buck Showalter. He there you is go. Um, one of a kind as far as baseball men are concerned, and a guy who... I think Orioles fans and Orioles players got the best version of Buck Showalter. You heard about his sort of overbearing nature as a manager earlier in his career. Well, um, he was enjoying the smell of the flowers when he was in Baltimore, and uh, they were they were beautiful. They really were. Um, some of my favorite baseball memories are irrevocably tied to the man that is Buck Showalter. So appreciate him taking some time and uh, lending some thoughts about the complicated nature of Chris Davis. Uh, we are going to take... Our second break here in a second on the other side, 105.7, Jeremy Kahn is going to join us. Today's show is also brought to you by Glory Days Grill. And Glory Days Grill's popular summer seasonal menu is still there with favorites like their very berry salad and smoky thigh wings featuring the all-new shrimp po' boy, crispy fried shrimp on a freshly baked sub roll with lettuce, tomato, and a house-made spicy remoulade. Other delicious items include a 12-ounce New York strip steak, barbecue chicken bowl, barbecue ribs, of course, the smoky thigh wings combo platter, zucchini fries, and a key lime pie. All of these meals pair well with Sam Adams Summer Ale or their anniversary IPA, Brewed by Devil's Backbone. It is Glenn Clark Radio from the Press Box Studios here. Kyle Ottenheimer, Zach Goodman, we will be right back. Here it watch out for the first time. The PGA Tours FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Kays Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage call c3 american exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible don't let the insurance industry get one over on you c3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis as one of only seven equestrian events of its kind, the inaugural Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill will give you unparalleled access to Olympic athletes in action. Come see the world's best horses and riders compete at the new Fair Hill Special Event Zone this October 14th through 17th in Elkton, Maryland. Don't miss the exhilarating cross-country competition, the elegance of dressage, and the precision of show jumping. There's something for the whole family, including great shopping, the Fresh Food Fest, beer, wine, and spirit showcase, and so much more. Come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, October 14th through 17th. Buy your tickets now at MarylandFiveStar.us with the number five. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. 
better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. We take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at SportsSocialMD.com. That's SportsSocialMD.com. It's Window Nation's 15th year anniversary. During August, all customers that get an in-home estimate will be entered to win your home project for free. That's correct, a chance to win free, top-of-the-line, energy-efficient Window Nation windows installed by experts with over 15 years' experience that will keep your home cool during the summer months and warm during the colder months. If you don't win, get half of your windows free with their buy two windows and get two free deal. Plus, pay nothing for two full years. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. Tweet us at Glenn Clark Radio. 21st Century Talk Radio at glennclarkradio.com. Glennclarkradio.com. And we are back from the Press Box studio, Glenn Clark Radio, or as I call it, Glenn Clarkless Radio, as Kyle Ottenheimer's here with Zach Goodman. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by the Ravens Countdown to Kickoff and Party with the Flock at the Countdown to Kickoff Watch Party presented by Miller Lite. Monday, September 13th at M&T Bank Stadium when the Ravens are in Las Vegas taking off or taking against the Raiders. There will be performances by all-time low plus the Watch Party for the Ravens Raiders game on the Ravens Vision Boards. Visit Baltimore Ravens dot com slash kickoff for tickets and joining us right now you hear him every morning on 105.7 the fan and every monday here on glenn clark radio he is jeremy Kahn, and he joins us now on glenn clark radio jeremy it's kyle and zach here in baltimore appreciate you taking some time for us as always man yeah what's up guys uh, no glenn clark man that's it's Kind of a weird way to go through the Glenn Clark show. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, but you could admit it. You're just happy to be here without him. Oh, there's no question. That so. guy's a guy's a loser. Uh, no, of course, <laughs> we wish Glenn the best down in Georgia and look forward to having him back for the rest of the week and uh, appreciate you sitting in despite his absence, my friend. Yeah, of course. So uh, I shot you a text this weekend as I was in New York for a buddy's wedding, uh, one of my best friends, and we were staying at a casino and resort in, I guess, upstate-ish New York, and you gave me your picks or plays that you liked for the day that you admitted. It was not a slate that you were in love with, and I have to say, while I was thinking about putting the parlay down, I did not, and it turned out to be the right Good. decision as I think it was the Mets over... Yeah, so- I would have went so I would have went one and two with the and I talked about this actually on the show this morning that all last week I think I had seven games where I lost it in the eighth inning or later and, and the reason I bring that up is I bet a ton of totals um, in, in Major League Baseball because I don't like betting the heavy favorites when the guys give you their 
hey, I went four and one. Well, if the one was a minus two twenty loss, that's like losing you know more than two games. You know what I mean? Like it's they, when they give out their record, sometimes like people can be deceiving over it. So yeah. um, I gave you picks went one and two, and one of my losses, which would have been my favorite play of the day, was the Cubs under, and they scored. It was three to one going into the eighth inning. And they scored five runs in the eighth between the two teams. So I uh, went over the total. I appreciate all of your diligent work that you do. And I am thankful to me having to leave the facility around noon for me not putting any money down. Uh, And I was up front with you, too. Like I said, look, I don't like today's slate. It's it's, it's a hard thing to tell people. And they're like, hey, who do you like? Because. Had that wedding been on a Sunday, Kyle? <laughs> yesterday I went four and one and three and zero in my top three plays. Well, so, there it goes, uh, right? Yeah, of course that's the way it goes. But whatever. No, it's, I. It's gambling. Your disclaimer is what stopped me from feeling the need to do anything. So I appreciate yeah. your honesty. Uh, I still managed to lose a hundred dollars expeditiously on Friday night on the blackjack table. Um, ah. So you didn't help me with that. Appreciate that. Um, but no, uh, you can always find Jeremy's picks uh, at PressBoxOnline.com daily as he uh, has helped a lot of people make some money this year. And uh, thankfully, I did not take the plunge on Saturday afternoon. But uh, more often than not, Jeremy Kahn picks winners. Uh, so that's a good thing. Um, I guess I we'll, it. Yeah, of course, dude. Uh, I guess we'll lead it off with, I mean, we haven't talked to you since the Chris Davis news came through. Um, I think the discussion now sort of sits on his legacy and how Orioles fans feel and how long it might take them to feel anything other than distaste. Um, Are you in the camp of people who says it won't happen until the Orioles are good or competitive again when fans might be able to embrace them? Or are you able to take the good with the bad and acknowledge that despite the, you know, incredible failure, it was still at times very fun? Yeah, I mean, look, he was a part of some of my favorite years as an Orioles fan. I mean, I think, I honestly think that's how people should look at it. Uh, the um, he, he was browbeaten and destroyed for the past, what, three, four years, and justifiably so. He signs the contract, turns into absolute crap. And it's not like, I don't think it's a situation where a guy totally fooled a team that he couldn't play. I think he just lost it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after them signing him, I fully expected him to turn into Adam Dunn. I didn't know how long it would be where, you know, he's hitting you 30-some bombs, but he's, you know, batting just above or right around 200. And, yep. uh, so you're like, ah, with the money we spent, he's not he's not playing up to snuff, but at least he's hitting some home runs. He lost everything. <laughs> I mean, like, the, you know, for people that are saying every team needs a sports psychiatrist, maybe this is the, the definition of why you need it. Um, and and the, the thing that just bothers me, though, is everybody's just crapped on him the past couple of years, which, again, I think it's justifiable. And then he finally does what everybody wanted him to do, and then they just decide to pile on some even more. And I don't know. Like, he's going to be an Oriole Hall of Famer, whether people want to you know, admit that or not. Because mm-hmm. when you look at his numbers and what he's done as an, as an Oriole player, he deserves to be with those guys as an Oriole Hall of Famer. It just sucks the way that the last couple of years went. So I'll remember the good, but I'm not going to forget the bad. Right. Um, you know, he was, he was god-awful. He's one of the worst players I've seen approach the plate after he signed that contract. He looked unbelievably lost. But... Again, now they got to move on, all that deferred money and that crap that's going on with that. But um, all in all, like I, I do think Chris was a good guy. I don't think that, that makes it you know, any less of a terrible signing. But that being said, you know, I'm going to remember both. I'm not going to sit here and just pile on all the negative stuff. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in a similar boat, right? Like when you talk about the famous memories, right? Like those seasons in which he was great were 
it was they were as high as I've had as an Orioles fan in my life, and he was a big part of that. Um, but of course, it was probably the worst contract ever handed out in Major League history, and that's part of the story as well. Um, and yeah. I look forward to July whenever that day rolls around, when it's Chris Davis Day, not Bobby Bonilla Day, and we have to deal with the, uh, the sums of money going to him every year. But ultimately, right, this is this is what happened. This is what the Orioles have, and until they put a better product out on the major league field, people will harp on it. And thankfully, it appears as though we should be closer to seeing the likes of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez reach the Orioles probably next year. And you see 30 promotions for players in the minors taking place today as there is movement happening in the Orioles system. And depending on who you ask, they're the top system or the second best system for minors in all of baseball. So the inroads are being made. It's just sort of the fans' impatience is what's making it perhaps more uncomfortable. Yeah, and that's what people don't want to hear. It's like, you know, I, we had so many people call in saying, oh, you give Mike Elias a pass, you do this or that. And we went over last week the Ken Rosenthal article and the Buster mm-hmm. Olney tweets and John Heyman and all, all the other BS that was coming out towards the end of the week. And it's incredibly infuriating as, a, as an Oriole fan when these guys are trashing the birds because of their process and how they're going through baseball. Yep. Buster tweeted out another one today about what the Orioles have given up in August, what their record is, yep. and it's, it's ugly. It's terrible. It's, it's 100% factual, but what they're not telling you is when they start, like when Ken Rosenthal compares the Giants, which they're mm-hmm. a total anomaly this year, um, with all these veteran players that are having, I don't want to say career years, but close to it, I, I think that's something you really have to you know factor in. And where these two teams were when they were taken over, right. the Giants had already had 74 three wins. years of losing seasons. You know, and they were so, only a 74 win team. It wasn't like they had just come off 48 wins like the Orioles in 2018. They were closer, right? They had more to work with when the rebuild, quote unquote, rebuild began. And yeah, and and I love that that Buster only goes. It's unprecedented what the Orioles are doing. They're going to lose 115, 108, and on pace to lose 106. And I'm going, it's not if it happened less than a decade ago when the <laughs> Astros did it in 11, 12, and 13, Correct. and you guys were all praising them when they turned it around. So. And, oh, by the way, the Orioles are in one of the toughest divisions. The Yankees just rattled off and were able to win a bunch of games and finally have a productive August or whatever it was um, since the trade deadline. And they only gained one game of ground up until, you know, this past weekend where they actually, uh, you know, they gained two more games, I think, the past two days because the Rays lost. But they're still five and a half out. This is one of the toughest divisions in all of baseball. And, you know, the other four teams outside of we didn't know the Red Sox were going to get this, you know, be good this quick we thought it might take a little bit longer and and we'll see if they even make the playoffs but you know this is one of the toughest divisions so it is about building the farm system and they've shown you they've done that now it's developing getting those guys to the majors and making the right contract signing which you're hoping that's going to be the next part of it in a year or two it's not going to they're not going to go this off season and sign the top free agents because they're still not there it's just not how they're going to do business Jeremy, you mentioned the the Astros rebuild. That's obviously you know what the Orioles are trying to replicate. That's what they're trying to to model theirs after. Uh, and the media, you know, they never really. I guess because social media was such a a smaller thing, and there wasn't as much criticism going around when the Astros were doing the rebuild. Uh, and now everyone seems to think that the Astros did a great thing and that they got themselves back into contention. Uh, so, so when and if the Orioles are good again, maybe in say the next ten years or so, do you think the media will treat the Orioles the same way the Astros? has been treated no because it's low-hanging fruit i mean it's easy to pile on these bad teams and no doubt. The, the thing that they're not they're not talking about is you know we looked at the american league right now so we have the astros in first the rays are in first and the white Sox are in first right so 
two of those three teams went through a rebuild. The White Sox traded off Chris Sale, mm-hmm. traded off all these other players. You know, they, they signed a couple of guys. They made the Abreu signing. They got Luis Robert, Aloy Jimenez in that, in that trade, uh, in, in, you know, as part of one of their moves. And then on top of that, you know, getting Yohan Makata is another part of the move. Yep. All that is rebuilding the pitching staff, making trades for, um, you know, the guys like Lucas Giolito. And so they were selling off all the pieces they had from when they were competitive and in rebuilding. And they went through all these terrible years. The Tigers. They, they went through years of 100-game losses. Um, and, you know, people act like they lost. You lose 96, you lose 104. They're like, oh, my God, <laughs> they lost 100 games. They lost eight more games. Who cares at the end of the year? Yep. So I just, like, all this stuff bothers me. It, it's such an it, – it's so easy to go after them for what they're doing. But, like, years ago, John Heyman, on the same day, tweeted out what the Orioles are doing right now is terrible for baseball. And then a couple of tweets later on that same exact day – he praised the Astros for how good, how much fun they are to watch. Yeah. Well, how did they get there, jackass? I mean, no, they did it the same totally. way that you know that's what the Orioles are doing right now. And you wind up with the number, and people will say, "Well, it's easy. You just uh, you know you you wind up with high draft picks." But go back and look at past drafts and see how difficult it is to pick out the right talent. That's why you know even with all that's been said about the Yankees spending money, they still draft unbelievably well for where they pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's a credit to the front office and the scouting system for that. No, yeah, it does seem as though there's been, for whatever reason, like a target put on the Orioles as it being this egregious affront against Major League Baseball, when in reality it's, I don't know, you can you can argue that it's not the only way they could have gone about this, but based on what we know about the economics of the Baltimore Orioles, it does, at least to me, sort of feel like it was the only way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I... Uh, it's hard to stay focused on what happens on the field in 2021 because they are bad. But what else did you expect? For fans that are day in and day out living and dying with the team, I got bad news for you. You're going to be dying a lot. Like, that was always going to be the case. Um, frankly, yeah. 11 straight losses, like, pile them up. Let the Diamondbacks beat the Padres a few times and see if they can get the number one overall pick. Like, this is this is what the plan is. Yeah, you know, and like in other sports, too – I understand when people want to say this is this is bad for baseball overall, or this sure. is bad for football, basketball. I like I, I'm not saying you're wrong, correct? But I'm saying, what do you expect these teams to do when you don't have a cap? Mm-hmm. You don't like. There's no you like, and I, I don't expect them to all of a sudden go, "Hey, Major League Baseball Players Association, we want a cap," and the guys to go, "Sure, we'll do that. <laughs> we'll take less money and let you guys cap how much we can make." That's just that's not going to happen. No. But you know, you can't sit here and, and make a front and talk about. Um, how bad the the Orioles are and what they're doing is bad for baseball when not having a salary cap is bad for baseball too. Like, you know, and people don't understand it, where the Yankees can go make a Jacoby Ellsbury signing or, you know, sign Mark DeShare to that ridiculous deal and not get them to produce the way that you want them to and just be like, oh, okay, well, no big deal. We'll just put that on the back burner and we'll go do this. There is a huge difference to now the Orioles, so for all that they've done in building up the farm system, the international market, all that stuff, and then now when they're ready to spend money, make no mistake about it, if they make another, I don't want to say Chris Davis, but a, a signing like that, mm-hmm. and it blows up in their face, they're behind the eight ball again. That's no why doubt. the Rays can't make those signings. The Rays just trade those pieces away. Yep, and so, that's part of the reason that I think Glenn and others have advocated for the Orioles taking a more, I guess, um, a foresight approach with trying to buy out arbitration years, get players yeah. when the costs might be lessened before they're able to demand those hundred plus million dollar contracts, the way that the Braves have done with Acuna and Albies, and who knows, right? Like I do think that is necessary for the Orioles if they are going to be contending beyond whenever Adley Rutschman's arbitration is up. But uh, that's a 
topic for another day, I suppose. Um, the Ravens, 18 straight preseason victories, making them the all-time preseason champions. Hand them the Super Bowl trophy now. It's already done. Um, what, if anything, matters to you in preseason football? We had a listener ask, um, do you expect the second game of the preseason to be the new third game of the preseason? I tend to think that coaches and general managers are more erring on the side of we'd rather our most important guys not see the field at all and make sure they're healthy than have them get a half of action in any preseason game. Did you see anything on Saturday night to make you think otherwise? Was there anything that you think was particularly noteworthy from the Ravens win against the Saints? Well, so I, I know this much from watching the offensive line on Saturday night. I don't want Lamar to play in the preseason at all. Um, you know, it's, it's a regular season. You figure it out. You you try to make it work. I, I don't know that he needs it at this point. I, I kind of go with that, you know, L.A. Rams philosophy of like, hey, these are all my starters. I know who they are. Yep. I don't need to play them in these preseason games. And, and I, I think it's the right way to approach it. I do agree that the second game should be the, the dress rehearsal like the third game was in years past, only because – you know, that last game, you're really trying to take a look at the back end of your roster to sure. see who you want to keep. Like, can this guy play special teams? Can I trust this guy? How many receivers do I want to keep? So you really want to, like, put the guys out there. And I hate that that one game. I know you're still looking at everything that happened in the preseason and practices and all that. That one game could kind of push you one way or another, but it's what you have to deal with. Um, I said today on, on, on my show that, like, my least favorite thing is talking about preseason football because yep. it's it's meaningless. The offense is vanilla. The defense is vanilla. Uh, you don't know the level of competition they're playing with or playing against or, for that matter, playing with. And and I think that can change everything. Like, you know, they, they put out the statistic of all the rookie quarterbacks that started in Justin Fields uh, far, and, you know, far and away had more time to throw than all the other quarterbacks all the other rookies, and they did say part of that's because of his escapability and he was making some things happen with his feet, but more times than not in a general uh, pocket presence sense and, and timing there that he had a, um, almost a full, I think it was a full second more than the other guys, which hmm. over time that adds up and it gives you a chance to see plays develop um, as a rookie. But, you know, so I, I do think there's there's some value for certain things, but I don't worry about it for vets. And, and as I was saying today, like, I hate talking about preseason games because – Fans get too high and too low over something that goes wrong, goes right. Now the offensive line is going to be terrible the rest of the year because they look bad in preseason game one. Patrick Queen is the second coming of Ray Lewis. Yep. Um, you know, Snoop should be the backup quarterback. And all, like, by the way, all these things can be true. Sure. But I just don't, I don't like buying into it the way that everybody else does or a lot of people do. I, I just think it's a necessary evil that I can't wait to get through it and start talking about regular season football. Yep, no, sweeping conclusions are only going to probably make yourself look like an idiot uh, one game into the preseason or three games into the preseason. If I think there's anything to maybe ascribe value to, it's perhaps the utilization of some players. I think it was interesting that Adafi Owe was using the gunner in a special teams capacity, right? I thought it was maybe a little bit foretelling that Malik Harrison got what appeared to be the first crack at playing alongside Patrick Queen. So I guess things like that maybe are the mm -hmm. only things I'd feel comfortable drawing any sort of conclusions from. Uh, when it comes to the OA thing, do you think it's smart, or is it maybe a little too risky to have him out there gunning on special teams, particularly in preseason? Well, I guess, you know, so we went back to this too with um, uh, going back to Paul Kruger when he came out of Utah because he'd never played special teams, and it's, you know, a lot of times these guys, especially rookies, you're going to see them on special teams right. until they're able to cut their teeth and get a, a ton of plays on offense or defense. And uh, Kruger couldn't, so he was a, you know, he didn't dress 
quite a bit for those first mm-hmm. two years, and then there were questions of what's going to happen, and then he burst on the scene in year three, and by the time you see him getting sacked, you're like, well, now we can't afford him, so he's going to walk. Yep. Um, so I, I got no problem with them using rookies out there on special teams. I think it, it, it happens quite a bit, and he's a physical freak, so you want to get the most out of him that you can. It would suck if he got hurt doing it. We all know that, but um, I, I don't know that that's how they're going to coach him up or play him, but uh, you know, I do want to see the younger players, and, and those are the ones that I'm typically going to focus on. But, you know, if you go back to Saturday night, that's a, it's a really weird game. They had six turnovers and barely won at the end of the game. You know, uh, take the lead and then hold on to it. But I felt like the defense was, you know, give but don't break or bend but don't break. Yeah. And um, they were moving down the field. They, they had, I mean, the Ravens, I think, had more first downs. But um, what was it, like 366 yards of total offense. So every time they were moving down the field and they were in field goal range or made a play, the Ravens would ultimately get a turnover. So um, it was. It was a really, really strange game without seeing a lot of the starters out there, especially on offense. Uh, One thing that I think did matter um, on Saturday night was the fact that Moe in Baltimore on the end zone was still highlighted and uh, in bold. Uh, was that something that you knew would be happening? Uh, was it a surprise to you? And have you had any indication that that will be different at all this point in the year or moving forward? Yeah, man, I, I didn't know. And then when I saw it, I was so happy. Like, I, I didn't even, it's funny, I didn't even bring it, I, I retweeted it and meant to bring it up this morning. And then the, the way that the show was flowing, we didn't even get into it. Um, I'll probably talk about it tomorrow a little bit, but. Uh, I, I hope this goes on for as long as they possibly can. I absolutely love the Ravens for doing this. Um, it's something so simplistic, but like I know how much it means to me and it means to the family. Yeah. But uh, it's you know when you think about what Mo meant to a lot of the players that are still there, and even you know like when we had the big Mo show. Um, uh, I don't know how many people know all this stuff that went on behind the scenes. They have John Harbaugh called in. Mm-hmm. We didn't call and ask him to come on. Like people were calling saying they wanted to be a part of the show, but like. I think I've said this before, and hopefully he doesn't mind me saying it. When I did the, um, not the GoFundMe, but we, we did the uh, the thing for Mo on, where we were taking donations on my PayPal and my Venmo, and we gave all the money to the family, Eric DaCosta donated $1,000. Wow. You know, like, yeah. he, Mo meant something to him. And when I dropped off the bobbleheads, you know, his his wife sent me a video of the kids opening up and, and hitting uh, the button. So I, I know he means a lot to a bunch of people within that building and also some of the guys that are playing on the field. Um, you know, a lot of people associate him more with the Orioles because of the involvement he's had there with Trey and some of that stuff's been very visible, but, uh, the Ravens were really behind the NFL network piece and allowing mm-hmm. a lot of that to go on the, the filming. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've got the utmost respect for this organization. I've said this before, like I, I, I rooted for the Colts because I was a huge Peyton Manning fan. And when he retired, I felt like I didn't have a team and I still kind of pulled for the Colts, but from all the things that the Ravens have done, it makes me root for them even more. And, um, if that makes me, uh, you know, a traitor, whatever people want to yeah. call me, it's just, I, this is where I always wanted to be rooting for my two hometown teams. Um, but when the Ravens, when, you know, when they, when the Browns came over here and became the Ravens, it didn't feel the same way to me. And then, oh, by the way, I was a Peyton Manning fan, <laughs> um, you know, watching in college. So it, you know, it's, it's, it's just weird. Like knowing that they've gone above and beyond what they need to do and, it makes me incredibly proud to, you know, to be from Baltimore and to see that the teams continue to, I don't know how long they'll do it. Like, I'd love it if they, they kept doing it, but I don't expect it, you know, it's, but it's been cool. I um, Look, I don't see any reason why they should stop, right? It's such a simple thing that should harm nobody and only further the legacy of perhaps the greatest Baltimore sports fan that ever lived. Uh, it seems like yep. such a simple gesture that, as you mentioned, means so much 
to those who deserve to have that sort of thing done for them. Um, you mentioned Eric DaCosta, of course. He had that, the, the quote in the press box story about Mo when he was the Baltimore Sports Person of the Year, um, about how he's not a religious man, but when you know Mo held his hands, that it felt he felt something. Um, and you know, I, th- I think that it's it's only fair to have these sort of reminders and try to further the impact that he had on so many in this town. And it's a beautiful gesture for the Ravens to do, and I really do think they should continue to do so for you know, as you mentioned, as long as they possibly can. Absolutely, man. It's, like I like I said, man. It's it. It feels amazing to see that he had this type of impact and to be a part of the the festivities with Mo going into the Hall of Fame with the Orioles. Yeah. He's already in the NFL Hall of Fame with, um, you know, reading Ben Powers' name in Braille. Uh, you know, it's just it's just great to see, and I love it. I hope it continues. You know, and I, I think a lot of people are in that same boat. Just when, when that was honest to God, that's the thing I wanted to see the most is if they were going to do it when they started the game. And when I saw it, you know, the, the colors, mm-hmm. the MO and, um, being lit up in a different color was just, I mean, it made my heart melt. Yeah. It, it is a touching thing that they did and that they didn't need to do, but that they continued to do. So I think it says a lot about the character of the organization and those in power there. And, um, I, again, like I said, there's, I see no reason for it to stop anytime soon. So that was that was really cool to see that. Um, is there like gambling wise? Are you a degenerate enough to the point where you are betting on preseason football, or are you taking a bit of a respite as far as that goes? Well, Ravens money line seems uh, seems like a guarantee, right? <laughs> um, no, I, like I've said this before. I've, if I find value in something, and usually for me, it's going to be a. I mean, it can be a side, but more times than not, it'll be a total. Um, if there's some sort of information out there, but realistically, when if you're betting preseason football, and I'm not gonna, I've bet on it plenty of times. I, I'm not betting on it this year. Um, but if you're betting on it, that's the true definition of gambling. Like if you're just looking for something, you want to root, you're watching it on TV, and you throw a couple bucks. I get it, but I mean, you have just as much chance of hitting that game as flipping a coin because, you know, if you look at it routinely, that you don't know the rotations of teams. Right. Like we've seen teams leave starters into the third quarter um, in that second or third game, depending on when they're playing. They want to get some more reps. But or maybe you know a team has three quarterbacks, right. one you watched in college, and you know two vets, and you're like, oh, I, I like their chances here. But even then, if they're playing behind a crappy offensive line, who knows what happens? Or if they're just out like handing the ball off and the clock's constantly moving. There's there's just so many things that can happen that it's not it's not even an educated bet for that matter. You know, you're, you're always in gambling, you're looking for an edge or what you're good at. If it's, you know, you talked about blackjack, the odds are, you know, maybe one of the games that's the odds are more in the favor of the player than any other, you know, card game, unless we were going to sit here and talk about playing in poker tournaments and maybe an edge you have over the opponents because in blackjack, you're always playing against the house. So, you know, you're looking for an edge and in sports betting, I always tell people, you got to find the edge and what you see baseball I think weather's a huge edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, umpire data, um, watching the money and which way it goes. You know, paying attention to which team used their bet. Like if you're in a series and you see a team's used their closer in the first two games and their eighth inning guy, they don't have those guys for the next game. So now they're going to go to weaker options. So maybe there's some value inherently in in an over or betting against that team. You know, there, there's just plenty of things you can look at through the season to try to gain what I deem to be an edge. In preseason football, you have no edge. Is there anything else that you're, you know, paying attention to in sports right now, or are you just biding your time until the regular season starts in football? Yeah, I mean, I'm waiting for the NFL season to start. I mean, I'm so I love baseball, so I watch every day. Sure, uh, I look at some of the matchups. The um, 
Field of Dreams game was really cool. And yeah. One of the oddities there, I don't know if you heard about this, is that uh, they were talking about the humidity in the air from the corn sweat, <laughs> that this is an actual thing, that corn sweat can create you know more humidity in the air, and then the balls will even travel further. Because um, humidity is one of the biggest things that helps the ball you know, yep. carry. If you want to look at Coors Field, they put it in a dehumidifier. Um, they're, they're, or, you know, they're always trying to, uh, do things to, to, you know, uh, try to stop the ball from carrying as much in some of these other cities. Like they were talking about that in Iowa. They talk about that in Buffalo, Colorado's doing it. Um, or the humidor. I said dehumidifier, but you know what I mean? Like they're trying to, to stop the ball from carrying as much as it does in some of these bandbox stadiums. So, I mean, I'm consistently watching that, and then these these races out west is going to be fun between the Dodgers and Giants. Yep. Um, the NL East is going to be great as well. Everything else seems like, and then the AL East as well. So the other three divisions seems pretty much sewn up, unless some team falls apart, like the Mets did, uh, to let these other two teams back in it. Of course, the corn sweat meant something different for the majority of your life, I imagine. But, uh... God, but yes, that's the corn sweat. <laughs> I've, I've had the meat sweat plenty of times. I don't know if corn has done that to me. Uh, he is Jeremy Kahn. You can hear him every morning on 105.7 The Fan and find his picks at PressBoxOnline.com. He joins us every Monday and appreciate you calling in as always, man. We'll talk soon, all right? Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Jeremy Kahn. Um, appreciate his time as always as he uh, gave his insights on the fact that preseason football is nothing other than meaningless action more or less but he did think that the second game would consist of perhaps more of a quote-unquote dress rehearsal atmosphere than yeah. any other yeah makes sense if there's going to be any that it would be in the second one but again i would expect that the ravens to err on the side of caution with the guys that matter most and i would not be surprised if lamar jackson if at all plays only one series one or drive two. sure yeah. uh, we, we do have some injury related news i wanted to bring up here okay. uh trace mcsorley is out for the preseason so he's completely done uh, which which Jeff Zarebeck of the Athletic basically says that Tyler Huntley's the backup. He wins the backup job. It's hard and to think that Kenji Bahar or whatever. Right, his name Kenji is Bahar is not going. But I mean, right. I, I guess you could you know bring him back at week one, and he could possibly Trace McSorley. I'm talking yep. about could be the backup if you feel confident enough that he's the guy. But clearly, uh, Huntley you know had a better preseason mm-hmm. game one, and then with a guy not practicing at all and right. not playing for, for any, any games. Any difference between the two of them is negligible to the point exactly. where you would think experience Perfect way to say it. would yeah. be more important than uh, whatever I right. think McSorley might bring. So that gives answers as to why they brought Bahar back. I know there was yep. speculation, yep. and you know it's tough for McSorley, who surely knew the importance of this training camp in preseason right. for his right. potential to keep a roster spot. Remains to be seen whether or not the Ravens will be keeping three quarterbacks, but you know, I think that probably closes the book on whoever right. the backup is going to be. Some more inter- uh, interesting injury news here. Uh, ben Cleveland has a concussion, so okay. we'll see how long that takes him to come back. Um, and Kevin Zeitler returned to practice yeah. today, so there's yeah. some good news. Uh, Ronnie Stanley, Jeff Zerubek said, had his uh, longest day of practice so far. Okay. But Sammy Watkins left with a trainer, so um, apparently John yeah, Harbaugh said... bingo card. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. John Harbaugh said, not serious, but I don't like hearing that that's, at all. That's also what he said about Hollywood Brown, and we know how long that's correct. taking now. No, I mean, look, that's something that you just should have been expecting with Sammy Watkins, to think that he was... It's almost every year. I mean, I mean if anybody was... I saw people try and joke about, oh, Sammy Watkins is the new Iron Man. And like, no. Never, no, ever. Yeah, never. Like, no, he's not. And <laughs> never, he never was, right. never will be. Yes. Um, and it does underscore the depth, I guess you could say, issues that the Ravens have at receiver after they did spend a first and fourth round pick 
and signed Sammy Watkins, it's proof that, you know, you can never do enough. And boy, would it have been nice to have added somebody like Julio Jones to the fold. and try Or, Ken- and- or Kenny Galladay or Corey Davis sure. or one of those Look, guys. Yeah. Julio Jones yeah. was available for a song, and right. they chose right. not to. They thought they had done enough. And who knows, maybe Rashad Bateman proves to be the best rookie receiver in football and truly a number one receiver. But they're going to have to wait a few weeks to even see if he can right. contribute right, right away. So... You know, it's more of the same song for the Baltimore Ravens at the wide receiver position, and it remains to be seen how that all shakes out. But it is what it is. Topic for another day. Speaking of the Ravens, we will talk a little more about what happened on Saturday uh, with WBAL's Pete Gilbert here on the other side of this break. Today's show has also been brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Kyle Ottenheimer, Zach Goodman, it is Glenn Clark Radio. We will be right back. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. We take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at SportsSocialMD.com. That's SportsSocialMD.com. Here it Watch out! For the first time, the PGA Tour's FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Kays Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. Hey everybody, this is Chris Rowling at Great Ace Memorabilia. The Maryland State Fair is right around the corner and we're going to be taking over with the largest Baltimore football signing in over three years. The Purple Takeover is coming to its million fairgrounds for the massive Maryland State Fair from August 26th through Labor Day Monday. You'll have the chance to meet Pro Bowl tackle Ronnie Stanley, Hollywood Brown, first round pick Odafe Away, Big Country Ben Cleveland, Hall of Famer Lenny Moore, and many, many more from your football team. Tickets are are available at grade8smemorabilia.com. That's great, the number 8s, memorabilia.com. And remember, as always, be great. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
It's Window Nation's 15th year anniversary. During August, all customers that get an in-home estimate will be entered to win your home project for free. That's correct, the chance to win free, top-of-the-line, energy-efficient Window Nation windows installed by experts with over 15 years' experience that will keep your home cool during the summer months and warm during the colder months. If you don't win, get half of your windows free with their buy two windows and get two free deal. Plus, pay nothing for two full years. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. Party with the flock at the Ravens Countdown to Kickoff Watch Party presented by Miller Lite on Monday, September 13th at M&T Bank Stadium. Celebrate the start of the season with a live performance by all-time low, plus a watch party for the Ravens vs. Raiders game on the Ravens Vision Boards. Appearances by Ravens legends, cheerleaders, Baltimore's marching Ravens, playmakers, and Poe. Tickets are $10 in advance and $20 the day of the event. Visit BaltimoreRavens.com slash kickoff for tickets and more info. URL. You are listening to Glenn Clark Radio at glennclarkradio.com. All right, we are back, Glenn Clark Radio from the Press Box Studio. Today's show is also brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. And if you are in the market for a new vehicle, well, then make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. So check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Switching gears here, talking a little Ravens preseason. You see him on WBAL nightly as the sportscaster and also with the pre- and post-game shows there. He is a friend of the show, and he is Pete Gilbert joining us now on Glenn Clark Radio, or Glenn Clarkless Radio, as I like to call it. Pete, Kyle, and Zach here in Baltimore. Appreciate you taking some time for us, as always, man. Morning, boys. Happy to be with you. So... The Ravens extended their nearly unprecedented, I think, uh, preseason win streak to 18, making them, of course, the most powerful team in all of football. Um, As preseason seems to matter less and less on an annual basis, I know it is partially your job to talk up the espouse the virtues of preseason and the importance, but what do you think mattered on Saturday night in the Ravens' win over the Saints? Uh, I, I would disagree. It's actually not my job to promote it. It is my job to talk about it. <laughs> so, and, yeah, and so I do try to call it as I see it, and certainly the first half of that game was kind of unwatchable. <laughs> um, they, you know, they, The Ravens' offensive line was not a real offensive line, and the result was, what, the first four drives got negative yards combined? Yeah. So, yeah, it's I mean, it's, it, it is hard to watch. It can be fun if you just like football and have been starred for football, and sure. particularly in the second half, um, where you know Tyler Huntley was out there making plays, some guys making catches for him, and the the Ravens, you know, second and third stringers on the old line were better than the Saints' second and third stringers on the defensive line, which allowed them to actually football to take place. Mm-hmm. So, so that was uh, kind of fun. You know, I, I do think you know what you could get out of it was there was a you know we had to wonder about Patrick Queen in terms of. Obviously, he has the physical tools and the skills to be a very, very good middle linebacker. But it takes—is he going to take the next step to really understanding where he's supposed to be? Can he diagnose the plays? Can yeah. he get everyone in the right spot? 
we started to see him take steps towards that Saturday night. And so I thought, okay, well, there's something to pull out uh, that was significant. And a reminder, when he is when he knows what he's what's going on and where he's supposed to be, yeah. oh, my gosh, is he fast. <laughs> he is shot out of a cannon fast. And so I thought that was something, if you're looking to be encouraged defensively, that was great. Also, about the Saints, while there were turnover, they, they kind of handed the ball over. Yeah. It wasn't like it was too incredible defense that was forcing these turnovers. The Saints were just bad, um, despite being fairly well protected. So, in terms of they, and that's why Sean Payton afterwards, you know, the preseason game mattered to him as he was exploding in the locker room at his team hmm. for turning the ball over six times. And they certainly have probably more questions to be answered. I mean, obviously, with Michael Thomas being out, the quarterback battle being up in the air. You probably would have liked to have seen better performance from the Saints if you're Sean Payton, given those are the two guys competing for your starting job. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, I'm, what I'm thinking, again, I'm like, hey, Taysom Hill, are you really – unless you're going to build an entire offense right. around the skill set of Taysom Hill, as Baltimore did with Lamar, and you only did that for someone who was so special athletically like Lamar, and Taysom mm-hmm. Hill, while impressive, is not, you know, how can he be your quarterback? He's just not – it's not who he is. Yeah. So it, I mean, I think they, you know, while they each had uh, an interception, I think that uh, you know Jameis Winston still his upside and his you know his experience, and you would hope in an offense maybe away from Bruce Arians where everyone throws a lot of pick sixes, <laughs> even Tom Brady at times, um, that he could be yeah. he could be a guy that could get you to the playoffs. Um, as far as the Ravens are concerned at quarterback, I mean, we just heard today Trace McSorley will miss the rest of preseason. I don't know if it would have maybe affected all that much. It seems like perhaps Huntley had the edge as far as the backup quarterback job is concerned. Um, given what we know about Lamar Jackson's vaccination status, uh, do you expect there to be two or three quarterbacks kept by the Baltimore Ravens this season? I, I before you know Trace was hurt, I expected three. Just because of for the, exactly that, you don't know um, about the possibility that he, you know Lamar's Lamar's availability. You just mm-hmm. don't know, and it, and that's unfortunate. So, and also remember, he was concussed at the in the Buffalo game too, yep. and those concussions breed concussions. So, in that regard, yeah, you definitely want to be more careful, particularly with the kind of offense that you run, right? Where you are going to have a quarterback carrying the ball and taking you know more hits in that regard. Sure. But with McSorley's not the guy, or you know, I don't know. It just you know, how, how does his back come back? I think they would like to keep three. I think they have enough depth to allow um, allow for that. But it's, it, it, now it's, it is kind of up in the air a little bit. But I don't think there's any argument. I think that Tyler Huntley had had a significant edge um, over Trace McSorley to this point, and now it's it's guaranteed that he's your number two mm-hmm. because McSorley just won't be there. Uh, the question is, what what do they do with him? You, you could put him on the practice squad because, again, the likelihood that someone is going to take Trace McSorley and put them on an active roster right yeah, now right. that feels a little far fetched. So I don't know how big of a gamble that would be, um, but I do think that ultimately, in, in John Harbaugh's mind, like we're going to need three, we may need three quarterbacks this season. So I guess if if you know that, you're, you're going to do whatever you can to make sure that. You know, and they've identified Trace as a guy that can run their offense and knows what he's doing with it. So, yeah, I would think they'd want to try and keep him. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before. The Ravens receiver core is in flux. 
Um, <laughs> do you, I mean, it, it, it seems to be an utter crapshoot as far as trying to predict how many and who the guys they keep will be. I know that people have been talking up Jalen Moore as somebody who has impressed. At other times, it's been Deion Kane. At other times, it's been James Prochet. I mean, if you had to put a number on it, how many do you expect ultimately will be on the roster? And, I mean, who, if any, do you think are the surprise guys who will either be on or off? Yeah, I mean, we, we talked with James Prochet today, and, and that cat is a, is a, just an enjoyable young man. He is. Uh, certainly someone just on a personal level you get to know a little bit. You, you can't help but root for him to do well. Um, the, what is interesting about this wide receiver group is that I don't know that it has ever been deeper. Mm-hmm. There have, I mean, there are guys that you watch, um, and, we, and we even saw it Saturday night. You know, there weren't drops. Benjamin Victor making plays. You know, Jalen Moore making plays. There are guys out there that are down, you know, eighth and ninth on the depth chart that you're like, you're looking like, well, that guy could, he could do it. And, and that just hasn't been the case before. Right. So the question is how many guys are going to be healthy and will they stay healthy? And, you know, if I'm Miles Boykin, I'm thinking, oh, geez, I haven't had a training camp. I know I was a third round pick, but I haven't had a training camp essentially. And, you know, he needed to take a step forward after what we'd seen from two years in and he hasn't done that yet. So, and they draft two. So, okay, it's it's a little bit uh, concerning for him that what he brings to the table that none of the other wide receivers do, though, is in his size. Yep. And you know, blocking is not nothing in, as a wide receiver in this offense. It's sure. quite meaningful. So that's a skill set that has more value here than almost anywhere else. But you know, I mean, Tyler Wallace, you know. It, you know, Rashad Bateman will be back. You just look at the numbers. Sammy Watkins and Hollywood. Yeah. By the way, watching Hollywood do sprints on the sideline, he's full go. Okay. I just, I just kind of hope they keep him in bubble wrap until week one. <laughs> What's the point, right? Yeah, no, I, just don't something. let him take a bad step. Don't let him take a hit. Don't let him. Fine. Just you know, keep him as let him be as healthy as possible going in. So I said something, I think, identically similar uh, during the break when we heard that he was running on the side. I was like, okay, just take him off the field now and make sure he's okay. (laughs) Right. Um, I I mean, it just doesn't need it. Some people were maybe a little surprised, uh, perplexed. I think some people were also a bit excited to hear that the first-round pick, Adafi Owe, was getting some snaps as a gunner uh, in special teams. What are your thoughts on using a guy they've invested so heavily in a role that perhaps other teams, we know the Ravens value it, but other teams might deem as replaceable i would be surprised if it happened in the regular season um i asked adafi today you know how did this come to be did you go to them and say hey i want to try that or did they see something and ask you about it and he described it as he had seen something he had shown a skill set during practice mm-hmm. you know and just in terms of his his essentially his for the 40 that he ran that was amazing yeah he was making doing some plays in practice where he's doing that and they're like wow you really are that fast for an extended period of time it's not just a quick burst and so they're like, well, I don't know, let's play around with it let's see i suspect it's more of a training camp kind of thing um but he he enjoyed it he liked the opportunity to do that he was disappointed that a fair catch was called yeah. and he, he hopes to get another opportunity again to go down and make the tackle on that but obviously they didn't bring him in here to be a gunner so you know there's a there's a level of a fun during in August versus common sense once you get to the regular season, and you know going full board on a you know forty fifty yards down the field and pulling a hamstring 
wouldn't make a lot of sense, would it? But doesn't that beg the question, though, like if you're going to use him in training camp in that role, like wouldn't, shouldn't you almost have to have the intention of doing it in the regular season if you're going to have that risk? Like why just do it to go through the motions? Well, and, and I say go through the motion in the sense that if something, all right, what happens if you know, you've got your guys go down and you know that he can do it? Um, so, all right, well, we did practice it. Okay, he got a couple reps doing that. Right. So, I mean, I think that's the mindset. You know, that, you know you, you, in training camp, you try all the different things and you see who can do it well. But if you have to use it in the regular season, they have at least had some experience doing it. Pete, you look at the Ravens' offensive line, and it's so decimated in so many levels right now with injuries and then also inexperience with some guys and then the veterans like Alejandro Villanueva. You don't really know what you're getting. There's a guy like Austin Ryder out there right now as a possible replacement. You could add him in as some depth. But is, what's the situation, do you think, with this line? Is, is there really a guy who they could bring in that would make a big difference and add some depth to this offensive line right now? I, I think you'll have to wait further and see what cuts come. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at that point at all mm-hmm. to see another veteran added to this group just because, I mean, they know they're, they're, what, what held them back last year yeah. above all was the offensive line. It's, it's just, it's inarguable. And they clearly took steps to try and upgrade that. And Kevin Seidler back to practice today, um, you know, that was significant. And, if, and he's a really, really good guard. And if you have, you know, and it's, you know him with Villanueva on the right side, Ronnie Stanley, for the first time today, was out in 7-on-7 seven seven, taking part in practice. So he's ramping up, making the exact progress that John Harbaugh expected. You know, told us that kind of where he would be to the point that he might even see a little action in preseason game three. And then you're just going to be ready to go week one. Right. And if that's the case, you're feeling a lot better about where they are. And you know, Ben Cleveland's been out with a concussion. and But John said he hopes that he will be back Wednesday. You never really know with those things. Okay. But you know, if that's the case, you know, you're feeling your, fire, your first five you're feeling good about. And Tyree Phillips is certainly someone you're not giving up on yet as either a swing tackle or a rotation guy in there. But once you get beyond that, the numbers are a little, you know, Ben Powers has not stood out. Ben Bredesen has not stood out. Um, there are, you know, you've got to feel, you know, some level of concern. You know, Pat McCary has shown serviceable in different roles. He can play all five spots, and that's encouraging yeah. why he has you know, some value, but he's not a great player. <laughs> so I think if they could add you know, quality, a quality depth piece there uh, after the cuts come, they would certainly do that. So, um, I mean, last couple here for you. I mean, we just had Jeremy Kahn on the show before you, and I think a lot of us were pleased to see that the end zone still had Mo in bold letters. Is there... Any indication that that's going to be changing anytime soon? Can we expect that to hold at least through this season, you think? I don't know, but I will ask. And I, I, there's no indication it would change. Right. And I almost think in the zoo, like, look, it's the John Stedman press box. There's a plaque there, right? Mm-hmm. That's not changing. Why would you ever, why would you ever take away right. the gold mo? Right. I, I, can't, I can't say, yeah, we've had enough of that. Who's ever had enough of that? <laughs> I mean, it's insane. So it, it warmed my heart that it was there. I hope that... And I think if, you're, you know, if you were going to do it for the one season, you did it for the one season, okay. Right. And then you're saying, well, we made a change. The fact that it came out for the beginning of another year, I don't know why it would ever leave. And, but I will inquire about that because I think it's a good question. I hope that it's something that is a permanent fixture at M&T Bank Stadium. It's a, that we, we all get excited. It all makes us feel good to see those gold letters M.O. Yeah, I don't think there's any 
any reason out there as to why it should not be there for, you know, I mean, I don't even know why it can't be there forever, if you're being honest, right? Like, I would look, right, I would look for a one-on-one interview with the person who decided, no, we've had enough. Right, I think they would probably be one of the most hated people <laughs> in Baltimore sports history. Uh, anything else that's, that's piquing your interest in training camp or preseason so far? You know, I mean, we got to the point now, it was, I, I always get excited at the beginning of training camp, for one, for what it means. Sure. Know, the, the football season is here, and particularly given where the Orioles are, mm-hmm. to have something that is, you know, for to really hold your attention um, that's meaningful right now. And what we're seeing with a big club in Baltimore it, with, in the black and orange just isn't. And it's it's almost hard to watch on a daily basis. So that, that's it. But you get to this point, you got a preseason game under the belt. You're still three weeks away. It's, practice is practice. It's not all that exciting. And, I mean, training camp also used to be, you know, I mean, it was a, just a much more physical, much more like football sure. endeavor, right or wrong. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that's the way it should be. It just, but that's what it was, and it was more just interesting to watch. Again, most days are not in pad like today, and you, you can't. You, how do you evaluate a you know a running play when they can't block? <laughs> you know, how do you evaluate? Tough. You know. Yeah, almost the only thing you can evaluate is is a guy covering or is a guy making a move to get open and catching the ball. Yeah, and is the ball is the ball being thrown accurately? That's, that's about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, it being done, and I uh, can't wait for September 13th. I know you got a chance to play the Caves Valley course. That, of course, will be hosting the BMW Championship. Um, any thoughts on? Uh, I don't know how good of a golfer you are. I imagine you're not a top seventy golfer in the PGA. But uh, how did no, it look to I, you? Seventy five this year is disappointing. Didn't not going to get in. Um, <laughs> it is, you know, it is an exquisite piece of property to put a, for a golf course to be on, and of course the the un, un, seemingly unlimited resources to make it as pristine and perfect as possible. Make it, you know, if you can go, if you can get out there for the, whether it be the competition, a practice round, whatever. You know, just, even you have to love golf to go and just appreciate the beauty yeah. that Caves Valley provides. And I think it's just really exciting that you're going to have the top 70, uh, you know, on the PGA Tour playing in at 70s and more. And 156 is kind of crazy and you've got to cut. Here, you can follow your guys for the guy you want for four days. You know, if there's somebody you really like, or you, you know, you just—it's—it's it's a smaller field. You know, it's a more intimate setting in that regard. Yeah. And it's—you know—it's—it's it's an amazing place, and we're going to see great golf. It's the first time you know golf has been back here since the '60s, the PGA Tour. No doubt. So I—I'm you know, I, a golf nerd. I went out there. I was very pleased to shoot 81 in the, the media day out there. All right. And uh, I will say that I think that the fairways are quite wide, and therefore the scores will be quite low. Interesting. Well, all right. Appreciate that insight. And uh, appreciate you taking some time for us today as well. You can find him on Twitter at WBAL Pete, and of course, nightly on WBAL TV. Pete Gilbert, appreciate you taking the time for us as always, sir. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, guys. Happy to do so. Take care. There he goes, Pete Gilbert. He was, of course, talking about the BMW Championship and the PGA Tour's top 70 golfers are coming to Baltimore to compete in the 2021 BMW Championship at Caves Valley Golf Club. You can secure your tickets at bmwchampionship.com. So, knocked out all of our guests. and Good insight there from Pete as to exactly what training camp is, preseason is, these days, there are some areas for concern for the Ravens, mostly injury and depth related, that yeah, yeah. won't have answered until the regular season rolls around. Which but I think it's fair to say that every team has these same concerns, course. and it's not, you know, I think a lot of people put a lot of, um, 
I want to say criticism is the right word on the Ravens for, I guess, how they run run camp and everything. And I I have said this in the past, but I think Harbaugh to some degree um, works his team a little bit harder than a lot of other teams do in training camp and preseason. Um, and not necessarily that's a bad thing because it puts him in a really good uh, spot to you know succeed in the, in the regular sure. season. But I do think that's also why the Ravens see a, a plethora of injuries and. That you know, it's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. Well, injuries are part of football, of course. And of course, you could try your damnedest, but you're not going to stop right. players from getting right. hurt in a sport as physical as football. Um, and I think the Ravens were probably more criticized back when training camp and off-season work first moved toward the less physical and fewer padded practices. I know there was some growing pains there, as far as the operations are concerned for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, okay. Yeah. Since then, I got. It is what it is. Guys are going to get hurt, and that's the worst part about all of this is that none of this really means anything other than when it does, when a guy falls down and has to miss substantial time, like Rashad Bateman, of course. Um, so you just hope that they're able to emerge unscathed at the end of the three-week preseason. Um, I think positive to hear that Bradley Bozeman doesn't appear to be anything serious. You like to hear that Ben Cleveland's expected back on Wednesday. You just want guys to be as healthy as possible and preserved for when the games actually do matter. Uh, sure. That's just yeah. the reality here. Uh, today's show, the second hour, has also been brought to you by Sports and Social MD. And you can book your fantasy football draft package now at Sports and Social MD. Packages start at just $250, including your draft board, space for 12 people, two platters of 24 wings, four towers of beer, three orders of nachos with guacamole, and more. Dynamic pricing options include massaging chairs, a model to host your draft, and more. Email events at sportssocialmd.com to find out more. All right, we're getting ready to wind down here on this Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. We will have our requisite finishing bits. Uh, normally, I take care of this portion you do. of you the do. program, but of course, flipping Zach, it around today. Zach sitting in, helping out. Appreciate all of his assistance this morning. Uh, that will take us, of course, to tidbit of the day. And tidbit of the day is brought to you by the Stan the Fan shows here on Pressbox. And Stan the Fan has two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they are happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. Both shows are live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and are available the next day at PressBoxOnline.com. Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at C3America.com. Of course, C3 American Exteriors are, you can call them for all of your roof and siding repair needs and just for the cost of your home insurance and deductible, home insurance deductible, excuse me. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. Zach, what do you got? Tidbit. All right. Uh, you know... The Orioles are in the midst of a long losing streak. Are they? Um, you know they had they had fourteen earlier in the year, and I, I think to be honest with you, in that fourteen game losing streak, I watch. I guess I watched it more, and I was more 
uh, involved with it than I am with this losing streak currently sure. going on. You've kind of um, uh, become somewhat numb to the reality uh, yes, here. I, I think so. And I'm watching probably less of it than I was back then just because I'm so annoyed with this team at the current moment. Your mental but health do, is important. So. I, right, exactly. And I, I do want to bring up a stat from this losing streak okay. um, that I saw. And I think this is fascinating because I keep, I, you know, Paul and I say it every week on the bad route. This Orioles team is historically bad. This is another stat to prove that. Over the 10-game losing streak, uh, okay. now they're, they're past that now, but back when the stat came out, over the 10-game losing streak, the Orioles allowed 98 runs in 10 games, which is, you know, 9.8 runs a game. Yeah. Not good. Not good at all. Not um, that's basically not how you win baseball games. Uh, so but that is, the, that is the first time. That is the most runs uh, that a team has allowed over a 10-game losing streak since 1936. The was Oakland, it the Athletics? O- the it was Philly the Oakland Athletics? Athletic, the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Athletics. Athletics. Yes, <laughs> correct, correct. Which is just, you know, like we say it every week, historically awful. 98 runs, 9.8 runs per game. It's bad. It's real bad. And I, I can only imagine it's getting it worse. Six runs last night put up on the Orioles, which, you know, not too bad, but the offense didn't come through. Nope. Um, and, you know, when it's not one, it's the other for the Orioles right now. Maybe but Marcos Diplon just pitched the entire game. Marcos <laughs> Diplon is, is not allowed. I don't believe he's allowed a hit. Uh, which I two-thirds, I think, right? Or six and a third. Right, which I think is, uh, is uh, as Rocco said, an Orioles record. I think um, that is true. So, in, in like the first four games of his career, there's always a little stat for something. Okay. But Maybe there'll be one silver lining here to the bullpen. I would I would love it. I mean, Marcus Diplon, uh, former top 100 prospect for the Brewers, yep. guy that, you know, very highly Futures thought of. Futures game this year. Futures game this year, very highly thought of coming up uh, before he was acquired by the Orioles a few years ago. So, you never know. Might be something. Uh, are, is it time for trivia? Yeah, let's get it. Let's do it. All right. Um, I, I'm not sure if you might know this one. You might have done it in the past, but not a lot going on right now that I can pick out for trivia, but I do want to talk about this. The Ravens, 18 straight preseason wins. Yeah. Do you know which team uh, and what year and how many preseason wins uh, they stacked up in a uh, in a win streak in the preseason before? It's the record, if, if I can articulate that correctly. I vaguely remember it being like 21. That is incorrect. Is it, so it's more than 16, like or 18, I can infer It's more than much, 18, yeah. <laughs> it's more than 18. They wouldn't have the record if that were not the case. When it was, it was in, during John Harbaugh's tenure, I'm sure. It was not during John Harbaugh's tenure. Well, then it was during Brian Billick's tenure. Oh, we're not talking about the Ravens. We're talking about oh, NFL. Oh, 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 Sorry, oh, oh. did I word that? Okay, I worded that I incorrectly. Yeah, so this is an NFL record for longest streak of, of preseason wins. Was I alive? You were not alive. Well, this is going to be tough. It's time to throw a dart then, I suppose. Um, if I wasn't alive, that removes the Texans and the Jaguars. Correct. And the Panthers. Correct. And the Ravens. Correct. As possibilities. Which means I basically got it narrowed down. Um, <laughs> You've got to narrow it down to 28 teams. So not, the record not... is 24. No, incorrect. Higher or lower? It's lower. Okay. It's... 19. It is 19. All Correct. Right. There we Good go. Got one. Got one part of it. This is over a four-season uh, streak. And there's the old adage that if you win in the preseason, you're going to lose in the regular season. Was this team good? Yes. Very good. Very good. The Dallas Cowboys. No, but not a bad oh, guess at all. Oh, wait. Before I'm alive. Right, yeah. 
the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers. Vince are Lombardi. The Vince Lombardi's Green Bay Packers from 1959 to 1962. Well, there you go. Four seasons of of 19 consecutive preseason wins, or not exactly preseason, but more exhibition. Yeah, things were a little bit different back then. They probably cared a little more, I'd imagine. Right. I, I would. I would think they probably played all starters back then. I'm not sure, but we'd, we'd have to do the research. But 19 so, straight preseason wins. Even though it's a bit of an inauspicious record, John Harbaugh perhaps on yeah. the heels of uh, who's many think is the greatest coach in NFL history. And Harbaugh, you know, uh, most road wins in playoff history, so he's breaking all the streaks. I'm pretty sure if they win the next two, that means that it'll be the Harbaugh trophy and not the Lombardi trophy. It better be. It better be. (laughs) All right, good stuff. That was trivia, and that brings us to Totally Tubular, Totally Tubular, brought to you by Window Nation. During August, all customers that get an in-home estimate will be entered to win your home project for free. Or buy two windows and get two for free. Plus, pay nothing for two full years. It's incredible. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. As far as sports are concerned tonight, as we mentioned, the Orioles are riding a 10-game losing streak, and they are going to look to snap that, although it might be for the best that it continues. They will face off against the Rays tonight at 7 o'clock on Masson as Matt Harvey will look to continue his incredible second half. That seems good. I wish he could have maybe done it before the trade deadline, but here we are. That's a 7 o'clock game on Masson. ESPN has Athletics White Sox at 8 o'clock. On MLB Network, uh, the Mets-Giants game will be joined in progress. Tennis Channel has ATP, WTA, Western, and Southern Financial Open. That's happening right now. It started at 11 a.m. this morning. I never missed that. Uh, NBA TV Summer League action. Pacers-Wizards at 3. The Spurs and Thunder at 5. Hawks-Knicks at 7. And Grizzlies-Clippers at 9. Uh, also, ESPN News will have Bucks-Nuggets at 4 o'clock. Uh, more Summer League action on ESPN2 if you are so inclined. At 6 o'clock, Cavs' Suns will square off. Pistons' Magic at 8. And Hornets' Bulls at 10 o'clock. USA has WWE Raw at 8 o'clock. Zach, what's going on non-sports-wise? All right, got two shows for you. Uh, we right. have Hell's Kitchen on 8 o'clock on Fox. Uh, so if you want to see Gordon Ramsay get you know extremely pissed off, scream at people, it's always Nashville fun. Pastime. It's always fun. It's not even like a good show. It's just like very entertaining to watch Gordon Ramsay get angry, which is, you know, why people like Gordon Ramsay. So You're guaranteed to get it. 8 o'clock on Fox, and then American Ninja Warrior at 8 o'clock on NBC are, to me, the two headliners for tonight. Um, you know, summer is kind of a kind of a weak spot for, for entertainment, I guess you could call it. Always a good time for sports, though. Always a good time. You are not wrong. Of course, uh, today's show has also been brought to you by the fine folks at Grade 8. The Purple Takeover is coming to the Maryland State Fair. Meet 10 Baltimore football stars of the past, present, and future, including Hall of Famer Lenny Moore, Hollywood Brown, Ronnie Stanley, Adafe Owe, Ben Cleveland, and more. Individual picture and autograph tickets are available, or you can get pictures and autographs with all 10 players for just $350. Get your tickets for the Purple Takeover now by going to great8smemorabilia.com. That's great, the number 8, S Memorabilia. Dot com. And your final chance to pick up this issue of PressBox is right now. On the cover, Thomas Kenzora profiles University of Maryland quarterback Talia Tonga-Vailoa and his chance to deliver the Terps to Big Ten prominence this year. Also inside, 
Bo Smolka breaks down the Ravens' offensive line. We meet the area's Olympic athletes and more. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. And coming this Wednesday, a brand new issue of PressBox featuring Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey on the cover. Cover. The cover. cover. The, co- the cover. So that Love will it. do it for today's show. A thank you to all of our guests, Buck Showalter, Jeremy Kahn, Pete Gilbert. If you missed any of that, you can check it all out in the greatest hits tab of the archives. I was going to do the archives oh. voice. I, I, right, wait, I, wait. Was wait, I was waiting for The greatest for it. hits section of the archives. There you go. Yeah, there it is. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. Certain things are just muscle memory for me at this point. It really is. I yeah, think it's I just, yeah. yeah. Um, thank you to Zach for sitting no in, problem. co-hosting, producing, making making my life easier, appreciated. I kind of learned what to do with my hands, but not really. Um, Just hold the headphone on your ear like that. That's yeah, good. Know, That's right? good. <laughs> um, Glenn, look forward to getting you back in town, and uh, well wishes to you and your family as you deal with the loss of your grandfather. I know he lived a tremendous life, so I uh, hope you had a nice time down in Georgia celebrating what was, from what I gather, truly a remarkable one. Um, thank you to all of our sponsors. U.S. Army, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, Exxon Mobil, KNS Automotive, C3 American Exteriors, Grade 8's Memorabilia, Sports and Social MD, Baltimore Ravens, the BMW Championship, Maryland Five Star, Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation, your local Toyota dealers, and buyatoyota.com. New episodes of Jobbing Out available in the podcasts tab at Pressbox Online, but otherwise, that'll do it for us. Um, I'll see you guys tomorrow and I don't know what's booked. Stuff and things, irons and fires, the requisite. Looking forward to it, though. Uh, And everybody else, enjoy your night. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.